Hello, everybody, and welcome back. Finally, welcome back to the Getting Close with me, Mike Marbach podcast. It's been a while. God, it's been such a long time. I don't even remember the last interview I did. Um, I was putting everything off, as I say, in the actual interview portion of this podcast because I wanted to get a microphone, uh, an actual microphone. Up until this point, I had been using my iPhone, uh, a recording app on the the iPhone, which, uh, you know, kind of did not lend itself to a great recording quality. Uh, but this uh, will hopefully be a step or two above where the previous podcasts were. Uh, with that said, uh, I'm still working out the kinks of the microphone. I didn't have my headphones with me for this particular interview, uh, so I wasn't able to catch uh, some of the issues that uh, are present within this uh, interview, within this podcast episode. Uh, so when people were kind of uh, accenting points with uh, taps on the table, it kind of it gets a little uh, annoying at times. Um, but I didn't hear it, so I didn't know to let them know not to do that. Uh, so, yeah, that's all I got to say about that. It's uh, definitely a step or two above, and you will hopefully, hopefully notice a difference. Um the podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Go to audibletrial.com slash StarkRavenMad. I'm using that one just so, uh, I guess, to make people aware of the Stark Raven Mad podcast. Go to audibletrial.com slash StarkRavenMad and sign up for a free Audible trial. Um, they have over 100,000 audiobooks to choose from, and you get to choose one of them for free. You can choose the Game of Thrones books. Why not? Uh, let's just merge these podcasts as much as possible now. Uh, the podcast actually gets a, a little bit of money if you do that. Uh, it's a 30-day trial. You would uh, not be charged anything if you decide that you don't want the service and cancel within that time. With that said, let's move on. My guests for this uh I guess premiere episode, third season, I don't know, uh, is a staple of the Philly comedy community, the Philly comedy scene, the sketch scene in particular. They've been around for a decade now, Secret Pants. Uh, they're very, very good. Uh, damn, are they good. Uh, go to secretpants.net. You can watch a lot of their videos and everything, and, uh, they're also very good in this podcast, uh, they give some really great insight into uh, developing sketches to their uh, their writing process, uh, some advice to new sketch groups because the scene, uh, as you can imagine, uh, when they started, there, was, there wasn't much of anything. Uh, and now the growth they've seen, where we are now, 10 years later, uh, there's a lot of opportunity. So they give some advice to people looking to get involved in sketch. As this is the 10th anniversary of Secret Pants, they are doing a bunch of different shows uh, to celebrate this momentous event. Uh, tonight, if you're listening to this on the date in which it uh, is posted, then tonight on Friday, May 2nd, they are doing a show at FIT called Guilty Pleasures. That's Philly Improv Theater. The show is Guilty Pleasures, uh, hosted by Joe Moore, uh, co-hosted 
I guess co-hosted by Roger C. Snare. Uh, the show is that they take uh, scripts that are very bad, they read them aloud, and then they improvise based on those scripts. Uh, now, Secret Pants is, as we know, predominantly a sketch group. Uh, not predominantly, exclusively a sketch group, and they will be improvising. And we talk a little bit about that. Uh, I, I particularly talked to Samantha about that and things that will hopefully uh, help her uh, out within that set. Uh, they are also co-hosting TV Party, which is a great show where you can just kind of come and, I guess, drink and uh, get involved with the show itself as you watch uh, horrible television slash films slash commercials. Uh, it's uh, overall a really, really fun night uh, and cheap night of comedy at FIT. Uh, as I said, that's 2030 Sansom, so check that out. Uh, at the end of the month, uh, on May 29th, which is Thursday, Thursday, May 29th, they are doing a, uh, a worst of show. Uh, now, that could be sketches that have not seen the light of day over the last 10 years, or it could be some of their bombs of the last 10 years. Uh, and then on Friday, May 30th, they are doing the best of. Uh, so... Yeah, there's a bunch of different chances for you to help celebrate the 10-year anniversary of Secret Pants. They've had a great impact uh, and continue to influence the sketch comedy scene within within Philly, uh, especially now that several of them are instructors uh, at FIT or directing FIT sketch teams. Uh, so, yeah, they do a lot of different things around town and really help to raise the bar of comedy in general within the city of Philadelphia. So I hope that you enjoy this chat with Secret Pants and that you... Hey everybody and welcome to the Getting Close with Mike Marbeck podcast. I'm your host, Mike Marbeck, and it's been a very long time since I've done one of these because uh, I didn't want to do one before I had a, uh, a proper microphone, which I, I now have. Uh, and I couldn't think of a better way to restart this uh, this podcast then with one of my favorite sketch groups, if not my favorite sketch group. Let me just rephrase that. My favorite sketch group, <laughs> Secret Pants. Uh, and we have just about everybody here tonight. Uh, if you could, just starting with the, uh, to my left, uh, just uh, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Quick. Brian Kelly. Hi, I'm Bryce Remsberg. Uh, hi, I'm Paul Trigiani. I'm Brian Craig. I'm Samantha Russell. They didn't say hi. Hi. <laughs> We're already here. It was a conscious. Also, we've been saying Marbach, I think, right? I just learned something. Marbach? Marbach? Uh, I accept both. Oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah. And well, uh, it was a multiple I choice. just call him Marby. Marby. Yeah. Marby. Yeah. Marby. I accept all of those. You ever have barbecues at your house? <laughs> uh, I, I've occasionally celebrated Marby Gras. Oh! Uh, that sounds way more I have not. <laughs> I have not. Uh, You're going to edit out when you said maybe your favorite sketch group, right? You're going to have the maybe out. Uh, none of this is making the cut <laughs> <Okay>. so far. <laughs> Even the intros, oh, which garbage. is the worst. Um, no, now starting with the, the right, what I want to know is how you got into comedy before you got to Secret Pants. Like, what is it about, uh, Samantha, what is it uh, that got you to the point where um, when you got into Secret Pants, you're like, this is something I want to do? I, uh, I guess, well, I've always been 
uh, like like to entertain people and like to kind of be the center of attention. Um, so I, I've, I've been in plays and stuff in grade school and high school, and I was in dance classes. Um, in high school, I was in television production. And I was able to make like my own show mm. for their cable access. So I did a sketch comedy show. And it was actually called Keep Your Pants On, which is kind of funny with the pants theme. But um, <laughs> then when I went to college, I was in... Uh, I, was, I went to LaSalle, and we had a cable station, and I had a show called Word on the Street, and we kind of went around campus and did trivia questions with people, and we did little sketches in between there, and um, that's actually where I met Kemp, who uh, was one of the founding members of Secret Pants, and then after college, he called me and asked me to join. Okay. Great. Brian? Um, I've always been kind of, uh, like, conversationally funny. Um, I was actually, I always was consciously conversationally funny to the point where, like, I, if I ever considered do it, having, like, a career in comedy, I'd be like, well, I know that I'm funny in conversation, but that doesn't translate into comedy. Like, I knew, I was self-aware enough to know that that doesn't translate. Yeah, and um, a lot of people get that. Yeah, uh, but I knew it. I knew it then. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was always, like, the kid in class who would, like, make a smart-ass comment to the kid next to him. Like, my, my audience was always within, like, my sphere of yeah. uh, being able to touch a person. Uh, so I was never, like, the one acting out in class, but I always, like, made my f- close friends laugh. Yeah. Um, and then I was at the very beginning of Secret Pants when it started out of, out of a uh, college um, comedy workshop, and I was at the very beginning of that. Okay. All when I was in first grade, I fell out of my chair by accident, and a bunch of kids laughed. And so I was like, "I gotta recover this." So I got back in the chair, and I fell out of the chair again on purpose. <laughs> they laughed harder, and I was like, "Okay, there's something to this, and I can mask my uh, social weirdness by pretending that it's all on purpose, and it will work." And so, thus, my triumphant rise. Uh, started there, and uh, then then I got into Weird Al, and Weird Al was <laughs> that was kind of it. It was uh, Weird Al was all I listened to until 1995 or 96. So I mean I, I've seen Weird Al 17 or 18 times in concert. Oh, shit. I yeah I, <laughs> yeah pretty sick obsession with Weird Al, and that was that, that's it. What's your favorite Weird Al track? Uh, Dare to Be Stupid is my favorite Weird Al song because okay. I'm also a big Devo. So one of the, the, the Weird Al was all I had. Second uh, band I ever got into was Enemy Giants. The third band was Devo, and Weird Al is in a style parody of both Enemy Giants and Devo. But uh, his Devo style parody is one of his best compositions and one of the best Devo songs he didn't write, according to Devo. Okay. Uh, Rice. Paul and I were at the same Weird Al concert in 1996 at Hershey Park. <laughs> yes, we were. We didn't know each other that we were at the same. We were at the same place at the same time. We were 13, being nerds together. Weird Al was way. It was before. It was just before Bad Hair Day took off. He had had a lull in his career. He was playing the not the big stage at Hershey Park, but the inside stage mm-hmm. at Hershey Park. Me and my brother went out there to see him. He did two shows: one at three and one at six. We saw both of them. It's crazy. It was packed. It was and, and it was Amish Paradise was that tour, right. and this was close enough to Lancaster to be a big deal because. I grew up there, and on the radio, they people were requesting Amish Paradise so often that they played it for eight hours straight once just to shut everyone up. <laughs> wow. The Lancaster radio station was like, "Okay, we're gonna just, we're gonna play it for eight hours. Just listen, tell all your friends, and let's listen to it. And now we don't have to call and ask for it anymore." And they did. It was it was nuts. Uh, 
But anyway, uh, TV magnetized me, I think. And uh, when I, I remember getting cable, I remember the day we got cable. That was a big deal. <laughs> you can't do that on television was a big part of that, yeah. me getting cable. And then when I was allowed to stay up and watch SNL was a big deal. I remember that too, like being like 12 or 13 and like, Always, always, uh, uh, game shows and talk shows. Uh, Johnny Carson and, uh, um, I guess Pat Sajak. Not that that's an inspiration of mine, <laughs> but I remember watching Wheel of Fortune when I was a kid. Oh, not the pa- uh, Pat Sajak talk show. Oh, no. Uh, it came on after Chevy Chase, right? It was, <laughs> the, uh, the slightly gilded conservative yeah, propaganda right? of the right? Pat Sajak How talk show. That was weird. Uh, I had an admiration for, like Brian was saying, conducting the crowd, you know, being consciously knowing that you're the center of attention in an event and being okay with that and and doing things that you might not do otherwise when eyes are on you. I definitely remember that. And uh, then later, obviously, this is everyone's answer, the state, the kids in the hall, Upper Citizens Brigade, you know, when you can see this and realize that these, uh, these thoughts and these, there's a place for this. There's a place for these comedic thoughts, like to make sketches, to make a sketch show, to make a, a set and... For sure. And then Comedy Workshop. That All these things led me to Comedy Workshop at Temple, which led me to Secret Pants. Great. PK? Uh, <clears throat> I just got plunked down in front of a television really young, and my parents were always watching comedy, and I was always watching comedy with them, and uh, that just kept on going and going and going. And uh, I, I think I kept going back to it. It just became like a... I, I especially was drawn to uh, sket like like after I I guess after like middle school I I started developing my own sort of tastes and mystery science theater was the big was the big thing for me yeah. um, and then Mr Show and the state too and, and before that like that's really where I had like a consciousness that like oh I really 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 like this um, and uh, it became like a like a place as an escape and a defense mechanism like because I, I I used comedy as a defense mechanism for the most part. Um, I just was, I always ended up sort of alienating myself, uh, and, uh, it just, it was helpful. It was helpful. It was, it was better to be funny and, and it was, uh, better to like be snide and, and sarcastic. <clears throat> um, I actually piggybacking off of Bryce, Paul and I, uh, were at the same, uh, screening of Ghostbusters <laughs> at the Granite Run Mall. I'm oh, sorry, Ghostbusters 2. Oh, okay. Ghostbusters 2 at the Granite Run Mall. Uh, when it, on the day that it opened, uh, that's that's that. How you win? That yeah. was eighty nine. Yeah, we had ninety six. Wow. wow, it was a yeah. That's 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 how we go back. That's awesome. <laughs> and no. these these sorts of things that you discovered just come out in conversations over the last decade or so. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like the, you you found out that you two were at the same Weird Al concert. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty specific Weird Al concert to remember being okay. at. Um, and just just like that, that the opening night of Ghostbusters two at Granite Run Mall was a pretty specific thing, like yeah. it was pretty pretty specific memory for me, because mm. um, like it was a big deal. My parents were all out there, and me, Brian, and a guy that used to be in Secret Pants, John, all sort of discovered we'd been in the same theater for that. So yeah, these are like, big events um, in the young life. Yeah, right? like I had a I had a big. I was always really. I mean, I'm five five. Like I'm really short, but as a kid, I like. My growth spurt was like, oh, you're four foot now, or like three nine, great. Uh, and I had this huge Ghostbusters shirt uh, that said, who are you going to call, with uh, 
the ghost sticking at the tube yeah. out, and I, that's like I, I was a big. I wore that out. Uh, yeah, <laughs> went to but, friendlies afterwards. Absolutely, oh, yeah. Yeah. we um like I I think it's more like when I find out like after a certain time I found out you grew up in uh, Delaware County and I grew up in Chester County and he's like oh I hung out at the Grand Run Mall all the time I'm like Grand Run Mall was the cool mall and he's like that Grand Run Mall sucks and just hearing <laughs> different like like aspects of of what you know people who grew up in different areas thought of a place and yeah. like for me it was exotic two floors <laughs> uh, yeah I had Concord Mall. Concord Mall is a terrible mall. It's a flat. <laughs> it's a flat one. It's, it should be a strip mall. <laughs> it, it, it is not just these stories that make us realize as adults why we're all together. I think that's fair to say. Well, like like minded memories, even if they're not in the same place, like having the same like so, remembering a really specific weird thing from this weird specific episode of The Simpsons. Yeah. Like that's something that I can't do, but Brian and Samantha can do. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's all it's a weird spider web of nerd. I think. Mm-hmm. Is that fair to say? Yeah, there's a lot of overlapping with our taste. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. It's 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 not a, it's not a surprise that we're all mm-hmm. together still doing that. And it's weird. I, I got in. I got involved because a guy that was I was in a band with. Uh, he knew somebody who he was working with at Banyan Productions when that was still around, and then that person uh, knew a person, and like we were all. I, I was connected by a lunch. Basically, where I got to meet, like through three degrees of separation, Kemp, and that was the third person that this this woman knew who the woman knew Ben, and she, it just it's ridiculous. And even mm-hmm. them meeting everybody else, like that, it it just everything clicked. Yeah, I think that there might have been the first time I went, I met Smith for the first time, Brian for the first time, probably you for the first time. I think there may have, like we say that there were thirteen members when we started, but I think there were really more like twenty three people in and out in the first year and then it narrowed to 13 for our first couple of shows and then quickly after that narrowed down to seven and it's still seven even though um the you know the five of us traditionally are who who are going to come around the most often yeah um but there's still seven uh, you know active people but i think there were more like 23 at, at in the beginning there were a lot of people at that one meeting at Brooks House. That's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. That was the first one I went yeah. to. But I'm also thinking of like the first time we ever met that was not a meeting where we like sort of formed, which was that karaoke mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there were a bunch of people there. That yeah, thing. that was the first time Samantha ever came. I remember that. We went to get pretzels and went to the Rocky Stairs. We right, had pretzels at the top of the Rocky Stairs. That's something we do in yeah. 2004. I left early. I think I. I think I went. <laughs> something's never changed. <laughs> <laughs> do you mean the art museum steps? That's what I uh, well, let's get into that a little more specifically as far as the formation of the group. When I talk to different improvisers in the city, uh, a lot of times, especially if they've been around for a while, uh, the name that comes up most often is Matt Holmes. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying, you know, He was kind of uh, a focal point as far as connecting people mm-hmm. to other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, was there one person, I heard uh, a person I don't know, Kemp. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that his first name, last name? That's his first Kemp, name. Kemp, his, Kemp his first name was Kemper. Kemper. And he went by Kemp. That's John. Yeah. So it's actually his middle name. That's why his middle name. Oh, uh, it's the coolest. Uh, yeah, the no, cooler. it's John John Kemper Heron. Oh, you know I, better than yeah. I know. I think that the the Matt Holmes analogy doesn't really resonate because uh, there really wasn't a sketch yeah. scene in Philadelphia. It was, it was a desert. I think yeah. for us it's more Don Montre. 
Like yeah, I, that's fair. If to I say. can think about like, a, but that was know, once we got started, right? Wait, no, I want to no. back it up. Do we are talking about who connected us as people? Like or, when I think about the, like when who connected us to Megan Rob and who connected us to uh, Six the Burrow. The and, scene, and the like, scene coalesced with Don Montre. Yeah, but yeah. we coalesced we, out of a, a college sketch group. Oh yeah, Temple. Yeah, right. we, I want to get to the sketch scene itself. Um, you talked a little bit about how the the Super Pants itself formed. Um, what was the first meeting? Well, you, you not mentioned far a college. Here. I wasn't there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we had we took a course together at Temple. It was the spring workshop. spring of two thousand four semester, and the the professor was this guy called Rob Stoller mm-hmm. who was leaving, so he didn't care. <laughs> like literally, he let us do whatever we yeah. wanted. He and said, "Just take the cameras out and go shoot something." And the class was everyone got up. an A. The class was yeah, absolutely. If you showed up, you got an A. Uh, the class was kind of split up into kind of. The way SNL, it was kind of, it was like, hey, this is kind of like how SNL works. And it was split up into writers, split up into performers, and split up into production people. And uh, Bryce was with the performers. Mm-hmm. And everybody else that was at the first meeting from that was in the writing group. And we would hang out after this class over the course of a semester as the writers and said, uh, we'd have, have conversations like, um, we talked about like what kind of movies we like. And we all... It always came back to like, uh, oh, this person, this person, this person from One Hot American Summer all started in the sketch group. And these people over here all started in this sketch group. And we're like, hey, you know what? We're pretty good at writing these sketches in this class. We're all having some fun. Why don't we keep doing it after the class is over? Um, But the one thing that we did do was wait to have that scheduling conversation until one guy left who was hanging out with us, but we didn't really like him. Um, I don't know what that guy's name was, and none of you were there, so, all right. <laughs> but I do remember when... It, when he the, is the, listening the, right now. No. The, the, <laughs> Never seen that the, the best and worst idea from there was, oh, do you have a funny friend? Bring your friend. Tell, like, bring some people to this meetup yeah. thing. And Kemp, the person that brought all these people. Sure. And uh, not just people that are conversationally writers. funny. No, yeah. <laughs> no, no. And of course, that's why Paul and Samantha and Brian Kelly are sitting here. So yeah. we're really glad they did. But it also made for a completely unmanageable number of people. Yeah. Uh, so there's a girl called Brooke who was in the class who we met at her house. And there were probably 20 people at her house that night. Oh. And it was just like... To me, it feels like the New York Stock Exchange. My memory is just like people yelling and pointing and da da all this going on. And like, hey, we no- should do this. Right, hey, this right, is a great right. idea too. And nothing got done. Nothing got done. Uh, but it was that night that Paul talked about, which was very soon after that. And we were like, let's all just hang out. It was the end of the semester, I remember. The semester, yeah. it, was, it was about to be the summer. It was like, are we ever going to see these people again? And we went to sing karaoke at a crummy yeah. bar in Center City. Yeah. And that's when I remember, like, bonding. That's when I remember, like, oh, man, like, the woman who's now Paul's wife, I was like, she's really cute, I should ask her out. And then, and then I met Paul. I've told her this. I've told her this, too. She's, she's awesome. She's, like, friendly and bubbly, and she's great. And then who, who's this Who's this dolt she's with? And, oh, okay, here we are. But, this guy's dead behind the eyes. Right, right, right. right. That's, what everyone, that's what happens every time sure, everybody meets sure. Kristen and Paul. So, yeah. so in a, in, a, in, a, in a happy ending, Paul introduced me to my wife. So and then then she became his. Not, not that night. Not no, that no, 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 not that night. We're, but we're all's jumping well. timelines here a little bit. <laughs> all's well yeah. is the end of the story. Uh, uh, but that night is the first night. It was like not in a school setting. It was you know, 
out and about, like, this is fun. This One is... of the things I specifically remember about that night is that the karaoke, the person that was running karaoke had a terrible selection. And so I, it was either Bryce or maybe even Bill Dwayne. Somebody ran to their car to just get a CD. And then <laughs> you... they sang over the track. It just wasn't a karaoke CD. You, no, you acted out Kate, Bryce. Oh, did I, you? I have yeah. a very distinct memory of you Thank goodness. Out and Bon Jovi. I, I yeah. remember doing Shorts for a long jacket, I think. Is that right? Never there, probably. Never there, Never there. Yeah. yeah. That's what it was. So that was 2004. <laughs> that was 10 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Oy, this is a decade of secret pants. You know you're at the beginning of our press tour, Mike. We're on a press tour. Oh, yeah? <laughs> you going to hit the other Philly podcasts? Uh, probably not. Only one podcast. We, it's, it's in our... Co- basements we got a hit. It's, <laughs> it's in our contract. Yeah, well, uh, I bet they do- don't bring their own chairs like I do. Right, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Guilty Pleasures got in there, and uh, yep. that's about it. So far. On our press tour. Uh, yeah, we'll chat about uh, Guilty Pleasures in a little bit. Sure. Uh, we decided to say kind of yes to things this month. <laughs> kind of? Instead uh, of... Instead all right, of... kind of yeah, all right. Yeah. All right, so within that first year, you guys said that there was roughly 20 or so people that were kind of in and out. How did this... Uh, and I, I'm familiar with some of the process and uh, from an improv perspective and even sketch and uh, through college, how people just lose interest and mm-hmm. some people mm-hmm. are more... Uh, into it than others, but uh, was there anything in particular about that process that got whittled down to U7? I think the fact that it was over the summer had a lot to do with it. <laughs> well, wait, so, hold on, so there's a difference, I think, between, you know, so first of all, we said that there were 20 or so people around. Mm-hmm. That phase lasted what was probably give or take 90 seconds. <laughs> it quickly became sure. 13. Yeah, it was right? a solid 13. So that, that the, the, the whittling down over the summer was that a lot, 10 of those 23 people disappeared very, very quickly because they, you know, became clear to them they didn't, they weren't getting their voice heard or they didn't want to do this. They, they didn't want better to do things. This. It was yeah. far away, whatever that was. So it became 13 over that summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the 13 of us that meandered along through, I would say, about three years, yeah, four three years, three or four years, definitely to the Kyber, uh, the Kyber show, or that like the yeah, the yeah, Kyber show, yeah, right? The right. Kyber show was and then after, yeah, after that, that it started. Yeah. So the Kyber right, show so, was oh five, and the New Year show was into oh six. Yeah, so, so like that was two years, right? So we had you know we were we started doing videos as a group in two thousand four. And I would say that most of those 13 people stayed away, stayed around in some capacity for most of that year. And then we did our first live show in 2005. Mm-hmm. We and I think we still had 13, right? Mm-hmm. That yeah. was the Muhlenberg. No, we, we, the we carried show, 13 right. to the North Star, I think. Yeah. Right, into the North Star, which was 2005 into 2006. Right. Were you secret pants at this point? Yeah. Always. 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 Uh, it's always been secret pants. That's when I met my wife, by the way. 2005. Yes. Um... And, right, and my wife left in tears. <laughs> Not wife at the time. Funny how the roles reverse, Paul. <laughs> um, and my so, wife was in the emergency room. Jeez, <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, let's get rid of these wives. <laughs> um, so, so then, so we did that show, and um, I don't, so that's when we started whittling down from 13 to 7. I would say between 2005 and 2007? Eight. Uh, eight. 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 Yeah. And when we say whittling down, it was really a self-weeding out process. Right. We've yeah. never nobody's asked ever asked anybody, anybody to leave. leave. Nope. One dude moved to LA. One dude moved to South Korea. Uh, Iran then South Korea. Right? Yeah, or, yeah. Uh, it, it, it just it just it, it it either became too much Arabia. too much commitment or 
lack of interest or just this is this is the thing I tried and some people tried it for 90 seconds and some people tried it for 3 or 4 years. Oh, I I definitely though with Brooke. Oh. I didn't push her out, but I took a joke way too far and then she just sort of stopped coming to meetings <laughs> and I think and and I was like, "Hey, I'm, she came back and I'm like, "Hey, you know, sorry about that. I took it too far." And then it was sort of like her just coming to say like, "I'm done." And I was like, "Man, that sucks." Right. Well, one one can question whether or not your taking something too far was was what the catalyst that led her out the door, or whether she was already out the door and your taking something too far happened to be the cherry on top of that process. Yeah. Well, there was also yeah, there was also that. Right. So <laughs> it's, I'm cra- not- it's crazy to think that we 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 we've really rolled with seven longer. That would far probably, longer. Oh yeah, yeah. Like probably six years, seven, six, six years or so. We've rolled with seven, and in the last year or two, uh, one of the seven had a son. His son's almost two. Have another on the way. Has another on the way, mm-hmm. and that's just that's not sketch comedy troupe becomes, you know, <laughs> probably down the ladder after us yeah. having a son. I imagine, <laughs> and then uh, uh, another guy just firing an the 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 seventh of the seven. Uh, is basically taking over his father's business, which is quite the time commitment and quite the energy, like real life, legitimate commitment. So, uh, your first show was what? We went to Muhlenberg College, uh, and there was these pictures uh, all over the like performing room, and uh, I guess headshots. like we had headshots, and like there were these comedians, and it was like Daniel Tosh and Dave Chappelle and Carrot Top, uh, <laughs> big deals. And we we were there uh, during finals week, and th- like that was their entertainment. We were the entertainment there if they wanted to come right. see us. The people literally literally studying in the room while we were performing sketch comedy. <laughs> I have that very clear visual in my brain. And then we went off and uh, <coughs> performed two full hours. Woo! Of, Way too yeah, long of, of sketch comedy. That's what we wanted. Two full hours a, f- a fun note uh, of a first show sketch comedy it Chip was... Chantry's first comedy experience was at Muhlenberg College too just by weird the red room the red, red door, door red door, red door. Red red door. Red red door. a guy I went to high school with was booking the the, the stuff uh, at Muhlenberg so we got paid almost more than we've ever been paid for our very first show we're like this is great it's always gonna be like this uh, but it's not and uh, the quality of that show is, like, we would all cringe to watch yeah. that right now. I feel. But we were given the amount of, like, they said, oh, okay, Do you have two out, here's two hours, you're our entertainment. And we, yeah. we said, and let's we, fill it! Yeah, right. we've never, we've never <laughs> we done We didn't think to get an before. opener or get a stand-up, uh, a stand-up or any make yeah. anything else happen. We were just like, well, we got two hours ago, let's go, let's do two hours. And this was in the days where it was like, well, everybody, you know, one of everybody's sketches are going to get in, and it was... Just Nowadays, you might see much. a group who's just out of college, and you see them do their first show, and you go, that was a pretty solid first show. Mm. You would not have said that about this show. It was not a solid first show. <laughs> I almost feel like it was a variety like it was a, a, a variety show masked in a sketch comedy show of sorts. There was just so many different things that were trying mm-hmm. to be sketch that may not have been. Yeah. And none of us really knew what we were doing. I don't think... I think that's, you know, and because we, and we because had, it was two hours, anything would get in. Sure, we understood what we. Oh, under- the stuff that didn't get in, I can't. Like, what didn't get in? Nothing, Nothing didn't get in. We had to right. go to it. We we, under- we understood what what sketch comedy was. We knew how to watch sketch comedy. We knew how right. to like sketch comedy. Yep. But none of us knew how to, uh, you know, make sketch comedy happen on a stage. 
Uh, so it happened, and it, and probably there's a sketch or two that's not the worst thing in the entire universe, but... We got a review, and it was a very good review. It was very good. <laughs> very polite. From the Muhlenberg Times? The, uh, the Allentown, Allentown Times. Morning Call. Yeah, the Morning Call, yes. Morning yeah. Call. It's a real thing. And because we were in the very early stages, we didn't, we didn't know each other well enough to hurt each other's like we're always worried about hurting each other's honeymoon, feelings honeymoon in those days. Yeah. And so the there was really not much of an editing process and a second draft process because when we tell someone, Oh, you gotta cut this down by or this isn't funny. This sketch isn't funny at all. You can take this, this and this, but everything else is gone. Um because we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Yeah. This is seven minutes long. What is this? We yeah. don't we don't count that as our our that was our first show as a group. Uh but our first show first show was at the Kyber later that summer. So this is like April. Which is a different kind of fiasco. Right. But that was like kind of our Philadelphia coming that was our, out party, yeah, I think. Absolutely. We uh, had an out-of-town preview. We had an, yeah. <laughs> uh, sketch, local sketch comedy groups didn't do shows in Philly then, right? I guess maybe the, there wasn't the really Actor Center. The, what was there? Uh, well, I mean, th- there, was, there was a group that was before us that Don Montre was in. I can't remember the name. Uh, before, the Gentleman's uh, Rotary yeah. Auxiliary. Well, wait. Before Bad Hair, Don was in a group. I can't remember the name of it. Gentleman's Rotary Auxiliary, which Vince D. Costanza was in, That's they were at the show and they, gave us a DVD. Right. But I don't think they, they left DVDs on the, at the bar. bar. I remember talking to them, and they gave us they gave us a DVD. Yeah. And I also remember the wait staff. People from the wait staff were there okay. and gave me what their business card at the time was like a lip balm. <laughs> I, I, they gave me a wait staff lip balm. So I don't know. Who, I don't remember who that was from the wait staff. It's nobody that I know now, I don't think. We, yeah. we didn't we, know what to do. But there we, were other groups. We, we, uh, we found doing the show at the Kyber. And, and we were, sold it out. We sold out the Kyber. Uh, and there we, were 13 of us. We refer to this show as our friends and family show. Sure. Because... Some of which could not see This is the hear. first time anyone who lives near us was able, like our friends and our family, to be like, oh, alright, I'll come out and see Here's this show. new thing Brian's no doing. Problem. Right, right. And so we just filled the place up. Um, but we didn't have microphones, right? And mics. People were so they did what you would do at friends of friends of family show. They got people got wasted. Yeah. It's like a, like a um, wedding. It's like a wedding. Uh, and we didn't. It was have at mics. a rock venue. If nobody's been to the Kyber on a Friday night, like it was, it was, a, it was like a legit thing. Yeah. You know, we got we got press far more legit than it should have been. Yeah. Um, but it was just a, it was a shit show. It were was... you booked there, or did you rent it out? No, we were no, booked. booked. We were booked. Oh, wow, it happened. And so we packed it with our friends and family. Um, at a rock venue where nobody could see us, and then we didn't have microphones right. to this packed house. No backstage. So nobody could see no. us or hear us, so they just got drunk. And and it was uh, the friends and family of 13 people. Wow. So then the, the, the people that are on the Kyber said, I don't know who these guys are, but they sold out the Kyber. <laughs> we need to offer them New Year's Eve at the North Star, which the same guy owned Kyber and North Star then. So... That this is like fast forward four months, and we're doing New Year's Eve at the North Star, which is crazy, which is a little more legit. And like, this time we, we, we definitely of, learned things. We learned we learned from that first disaster uh, that we needed mics, so we bought these lavalier mics that just did not work <laughs> under any circumstances that we tried. Did not work, and then we also realized we needed to. Uh, planned the show better so we did but we still really like we had a lot to learn about staging something about what works on a stage and what length. what doesn't about length about the quality of sound and like you know working in a venue like that what flies and what doesn't so there are a lot of things because it was our third show that we didn't know 
Still got a really good turnout, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were still on the friends yeah. and family tour. Though. Yeah, we, had, we hadn't burned out all of those. We were uh, like, if they're going to come and, and drink, let dude New Year's Eve, you're going to drink anyway. Like, let's all, let's all be in this together. Uh, and we hired a band. That was that. I remember having that idea. Like this, let's make this an event. We had a band come out and played after us or before us. After, after us, after which us. we knew, which is sm- which we were smart enough about. We were smart there. We went on before midnight, and uh, yeah, and what? then good. Well, after after that, it, we we kind of went to no man's land a little bit. The rock club thing stopped. Well, hey, we had a band at the Kyber show too. Yeah, we did. We had Mercury Radio Theater at the Kyber show, and then the Rebel Saints were at the that's right the tr- yeah. uh, the North Star show. Um, but yeah, after that, after that, we kind of squandered around. We did a little touring, sort of. We did we did New York for the first time around there. We went to uh, Trenton once. Yeah, we went Trent. to uh, yeah. So like oh six. We opened, so, we opened for the Spinto Band in Trenton, right? In Wilmington. Or, I'm sorry, that was, that was Wilmington. Wilmington. We yeah. opened for uh, Old English. Old English. Old English in Trenton. And that's yeah. right. and, uh, so we didn't who I, who I was. This is during the Philadelphia Film Festival, and I met some of the friends of Old English, uh, like at the film festival because they were working for a, a film distribution company and we were told uh, we needed to cut some of the they were like you should cut some of the chaff and like they were very uh, they were very open with their criticism which was which was interesting when was that? right after that show? like literally the next day I saw them at a movie what's that mean cut some of the chaff? they were basically saying that you have a lot of weak perform. they said they basically clarified by saying we're not very we're not good on stage Oh, and that, and that we're not performers, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Well, that makes sense because we don't normally do that. We're not perform. We weren't performers right. at the time." But I explained that to them. Those are the heavy video years. Oh six, oh seven. Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure we're performers now. But what is? Has there, have you anywhere? Have you ever heard that phrase? Cut the chaff. Uh, we chaff, chaff. I know it from from, from UCB philosophy um, and phrasing, uh, where uh, the chaff is just kind of excess. Um, Information excess. Uh, Separate the wheat from yeah, the chaff. Right, so yeah. that's the phrase. Yeah. I see. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Getting close with knowledge. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, now the Muhlenberg show that was two hours. Yeah. Uh, how long were these other shows that you were setting up? And did you have did you have control over them? Did you have a stand up opener? How did those work? The Kyber was an hour and a half. <laughs> okay. uh, the North with Star was probably an hour and a half. With we, had, a with a band. we had bands then. We, we we learned to have bands then. We didn't know any stand up comedians, to be yeah, honest. Yeah. We didn't know anyone. Uh, and then after that, we we got heavy into videos. And then around oh. like 07, 08 is when the scene, the community started to rise a little bit. Uh, Die After Die started. Bedtime Stories started. Uh, and that's when we, you know, I don't know if there were other people out there that we didn't really know or didn't try to know or didn't care to know. Or. There just weren't other people out there, but and that's the first time I remember being like, "Whoa!" Like other people in the city like doing this, that's and also, cool. yeah, and also Fancy Pants Cinema. Fancy pants. Oh yeah, that was like that. If that's where we were going, like when we stopped doing the live shows, I feel like we we went there, and then like maybe once a year during the film festival, we'd have a cabaret and we'd do some bits there all so, live. I don't know if you know. Do you know what Fancy Pants Cinema is? No. Uh, I was going to say, yeah, I didn't move back to Philly until 2009. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is what uh, I always find most interesting, is like the history of it's where still I'm around. from. Yeah. So yeah, Fancy Pants uh, Cinema still happens. It's every Wednesday Tuesday. night. Tuesday? Yeah, it was Tuesday. Yeah, it was Tuesday. I think it might be Wednesday now. now. But it's 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 once a week at North Third, the back room at North Third. You bring your film, whatever it is, your short film, and, and they screen it. Scott Johnson hosts it. He gets guest hosts. Scott's a impresario in Philadelphia. He's been around forever. 
uh, in my view, worldview of things. It's sketch up or shut up for um, videos. But yeah, and so this was back when people went. It's an open mic. Yeah, it's an open mic for video content. Five minutes or less, just show whatever you want. And then you get to come up and talk about it and take questions. It's really cool. And, you know, it's like people were having access to decent, at least as far as I could tell, decent quality video equipment, editing software for the first time. And so it was sort of blowing up. Mm-hmm. Right around then, and, and we this were going was before there all the time. YouTube existed. It was before YouTube, uh, right? right at the very beginning, beginning of YouTube. So, 2005, YouTube launched. MySpace was big. I remember, like that. That was the seriously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's where you watched. That's where you watched online comedy videos. That's where you. That's we we're mm-hmm. putting our stuff specifically in MySpace. Yeah, like it wasn't that YouTube wasn't around. It was just like, do you put it here? Where do you put it? Right. There's all these places we could put it up. Like, and YouTube, YouTube was, was fairly new when we yeah, when mature themes came. I remember when. That was like our first thing that we put up there, and then we were trying to pad the numbers. Where did Monopoly go? The numbers wasn't done yet. Monopoly Monopoly went up on the our website. Oh yeah, as a download. We used to put them up as QuickTime and WMVs, and we always like, well, well, there's going to be a major format, and it's like, why do we have to do both? I remember that being a conversation (laughs) because it was the advent of flash video had not really arisen yet. Um, so <laughs> that's like an old. That's now an old thing. Like that's like really, really <laughs> flash video. Um, Jeez, Grandpa! It was great. Can you say Advent hadn't risen? That's what I. That's what I said. Um, but yeah. So, what was your question though in regard to the? You were asking us about the shows and the length. What was your question? Oh, uh, just how they how they progressed, how they how they how they changed. We learned something from everyone. I would say maybe one thing. So let's let's you know what I think is an important one to talk about. I think the the first sort of the first show after that that was sort of important to mention. No, I was gonna. I don't mean to interrupt you because it's gonna totally crush your point. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> my whole <laughs> my whole thing is that I don't think we learned from our live performances until we saw other groups like us doing sketch performed. Mm-hmm. That's when we learned. That's when we were like, oh. Look at how good they are, and then, or how bad they are, and we're right. doing the same thing. And, oh, oh my God, I've done that, or like I will, I never want to do that yeah. again. And that's when I started like note taking. Like I remembered all the things that I hated, but didn't know how to change them necessarily. Like, or I tried to change them, but it's still like it didn't. You know, writing versus yeah. is it this or that? I feel it was when we were watching people. I agree. What I was gonna say is, I, I um. We, there is something we didn't learn until then, but there is a thing we learned when we did um, the Fringe Festival in... 07? 07, and we were asked to do a show by Rare Bird Show. 06. 06. And so Rare Bird Show asked to do this show, and we assumed that, you know, wrongfully assumed at the time, that we would show up to do this show, and all of the capabilities that we needed or, or expected would be <laughs> Had there. Had come to inspect in our four shows. Yeah. <laughs> I thought we checked that out initially. I thought we... I thought the email that we sent to them back was... There was we'd, email then. We'd, we'd love to. <laughs> and here's email the thing. We're not really a live group, per se. We like to have the ability to show, like, a video. Like, is this available to us? And that was... I remember... That was the show that we were doing that we had the, the videos that connected all of the sketches. Yeah. Right. Whole, so we had the backgrounds set. and the videos. All of the... Everything was connected, but it, we needed this media element to connect the entire And we were show. doing, a, like, two or three shows with that set. We did a show at North 3rd like a, a secret pants show the week before. Right. And then, and so we had this show that integrated video into all of our sketches and we were ready to go. And a few days before this show, mm-hmm. it, night of, we got there and it was we were, day of then. Cause I remember, day of. I remember going in the afternoon and Donna. checking it out and it was at the, um, best Western, best Western. In old city. In old city. In old city. we went there and it was like, 
So we can't. We don't have a backstage. We don't have anything to project videos with. And th- like, and when I say backstage, I don't mean like. I'm talking like somewhere to hide. Just even a door into like a into a into Closet. a hall. No naked. No naked. Like there was there was no there was just a no area to step off. There was no step yeah, We also had a lot of costumes. Oh yeah, we right. We were we were we essentially were. You walk down this. You walk down the steps into this conference room, which is essentially the basement. And it dead ends to, to the back of the wall, and everybody was performing to the back of the wall, or, or the audience was looking at that, and that's where you're performing out, out up the steps. Really fringy, you know. But so, so but, but we, what I, go ahead, Paul. Yeah. I, what I was gonna say is, um, you know, um, I think what happened is what we had to uh, go with it because we could do the show, and so we we had to uh, just kind of go without all of these, you know, things we were used to, all of these tech elements. And um, we uh, ended up almost entirely by mistake having a really great time just doing the show. And I think that was the first time we were ever like, all right, we can relax and just do this. And it can be okay and an audience can enjoy it if we just have a good time. That's not to say that we kept that lesson and learned it and like were able to be consistent about it. But I think things sort of changed right after that. It feels like a pivotal show to me still. Yeah, we, we won. Like we we did a really no, no. well. I would the way I would phrase is that we we came to the conclusion that afternoon that if we can't have any of our videos, it's going to be a terrible show. So we're just not going to care. We'll go up there and just amuse ourselves. And us amusing ourselves is what made it a good, a really fun a good show. show. Yeah. What what exactly did you change in the show uh, that made it that the sketches were the same. We didn't. At heart, like what we what we performed. Yeah, we ditched all the costumes. Right. What so we the performed. rest of us were 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 lined up in the back of the room while the other sketches were going, much like improv. So if a sketch was going and I wasn't a sketch, I was just sitting behind the stage, like, like against the wall. You were against staying the wall, against the wall, which seems weird, but it kind of worked. It, it you well, know. we played improv because the audience was going to be. This is a point of contention for a while too. We may have developed a rift. Uh, we, we think we, we pissed we, off. We think we pissed off show, but I don't think we actually. Did. Uh, <laughs> I don't think they even noted. They well, didn't pay us I'll, any mind. Alexis a little, left. A little. So I don't, <laughs> she left town. Nate and Alexis left. Right. That's the only one left. Oh man. So and he's hardly here. Oh, well, anyway, oh, we we basically just devised, we devised a method by which we could we could do the set without prop changes or anything. Uh, and we just pretended we were uh, uh, for suggestions. In, in, in improv group. We were looking for uh, suggestions so to do our sketches. And, and we wouldn't stop we wouldn't until they gave, gave, gave us our premise. We, we, yeah. just, waited, we so just waited for the premise. We kept disagreeing with the suggestions until yeah. it got to one that made made sense with the sketch we were about to do. We had a sketch called Peter. We, it was Pixie Dust, which is Peter Pan, but he's but he's telling the kids that they need to get dusted in order to fly to Neverland. And it, was get, uh, it was a drug <laughs> reference. So we were like, can I... We had a suggestion from the audience, and somebody would just say anything. We are like, no, 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 no. Anyone else? I kind of peanut butter. Jif? No, no, no. no, no. Uh, I don't think that's your favorite. Uh, does anybody else have a favorite? And then... Uh, keep trying, keep trying. Uh, Peter Pan? Ah, okay. Or, yeah. Peter Pan. Peter Pan. I, I think I heard Peter Pan. All right, we'll go with Peter Pan. <laughs> and and they, weren't very, they, they, they weren't very happy about that. And it wasn't that we were making fun of them or improv. It was that we needed something, and we just decided to have fun with it, and that was what we did. Also, we were accidentally spoiled brats, I think. We sold out the Kyber, and we did this, and like... That that was a realization which would come to be much more of our comedy career. <laughs> shows like that are much more like the yeah. shows we've done since then in the mm. last eight years. Mm. Far more of them and far fewer of giant rock auditoriums. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. I think we yeah. felt oddly entitled at that point, right? 
Uh, Maybe not entitled, but it's not, it, was, it, was, it was a departure from our three-show norm. Yeah, I remember we weren't happy. I remember feeling very disrespected that yeah. like, there wasn't a screen. Right. There <laughs> wasn't a room for us to change it. Right. We are a sketch comedy group. Maybe I can't believe it. They're setting us up to fail. Yeah. Uh, yeah that... We felt misled. Yeah. Ultimately, <laughs> I agree. That was, that was, that was a game changer. That felt good. It felt good yeah. that night. Yeah, because yeah. we didn't take it seriously. And uh... I'm sorry that lady had to die. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a question that comes from uh, another sketch comedy guy in town, and it's relevant now. Uh, Sean Landis. Uh, what's one of the more important lessons learned from writing and putting up so many sketch shows? Uh, what do you do now that maybe you didn't do early on? This could kind of be a big question, but uh... well, one of the one of the things I would definitely say is that going back to the thing that we didn't do that I mentioned earlier in our early days is that we don't worry about hurting each other's feelings as much. When something's not funny, we say it's not funny. We and and because we've been together for almost ten years, we have a good shorthand. Um, like when we're doing videos or when we're blocking a scene, um, if someone is doing the like uh, the voice isn't right, you gotta. Do a, do a different voice like a so and so, and I think we're we're very good at taking that uh, criticism from somebody that we've known for ten years and making it right. It's normally not even criticism; it's just yeah. helpful. You know, like let's 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 just, let's just yeah. go. Like, and 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 more often than not, uh, the show's next week, or the video has to be done, or it's twelve thirty at night. It's like let's let's just let's let's get through this. Let's do this to the best of our ability, and let, let's like. Let's nail it and, and, and go to the next shot or go to the next thing. Here's a question, though, and sort of just going off of what you, if it's, if it's all right, yeah. uh, going off of what you just said, so hear a lot of stories about this kind of thing, and um, I'm wondering, where do we draw the line? How do you draw the line between uh, not hurting someone's feelings and giving feedback that you feel strongly about or just being inflexible? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because I don't believe that any any of us are inflexible with one another. I don't think we're there. I don't think that happens. Um, but I hear a lot about working with you know, groups who are working together for the first time, people working with one another, and they are like, yeah, this guy, you know, he's really, or this person's really, you know, giving me a hard time. Mm-hmm. How, where's that line drawn? Between inflexible and, like, just being, a, like, actually giving criticism to truth? Honestly, I think because we've built this relationship, it has a lot to do with it. And I say, like, an inflexible person, I don't think that the criticism being delivered to them makes them inflexible. I think that they are inflexible. No, no, as a person giving feedback to another person, not as one receiving. Well, the the feedback itself, I think the fact that we all trust each other has a lot, it goes a long way. Like, if we were in new groups with people and someone's giving me some sort of direction and I don't, I mean, I don't want to say this, but I'll say it anyway. If I don't feel like I respect him, and respect his opinion, then why would I ever give him the time today of whatever his direction to me is? Right. If it feels I critical, imagine it's something like that, right? Yeah, if it, if it feels critical, maybe you shouldn't be working with that person. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's like, you know, right. You were talking, Brian, you were talking earlier today about, you know, you're working with a group of guys who is really finding their niche together. Mm-hmm. Maybe the reason they're finding their niche together is because they, they, they have a similar point of view. And so that criticism feels legitimate as opposed to being just you know, incorrectly biased. I don't know. <laughs> what? No, that's yeah. good. It's a good point. Uh, so to go off of that a little bit, um, you guys have been around for a decade now. Uh, what advice do you have for 
because we'll, we'll get back to the earlier Philly comedy sketch scene, uh, but right now uh, it's, I guess, quite different than what it was. Uh, and there's sketch groups all the time. Fit has sketch classes. There's indie sketch shows, uh, which I even hate that term, indie sketch I, shows. Yeah, I really hate yeah, that Yeah, it's stupid. Um, as much I think as I it's, hate alternative I think it should comedy. Work op- yeah. It should work like in the opposite works. direction where there's sketch groups, and then there's also house sketch groups. Rather than right. there's sketch groups, and then there's indie sketch groups. Yeah. Um, mm. What advice would you have for all these new groups that are popping up? Throw it against the wall and see what sticks. You have to, if you never throw it against the wall, you'll never find out what sticks. Watch yourself after doing, yeah. I remember watching ourselves after, like, feeling really great about our Kyber and North Star shows and then watching them and being like, this isn't that great. <laughs> uh, also, but like, just watch yourself and, and you know, if you, if you have the opportunity, you know, take, you know, be, be the harshest critic of your own work. Yeah, edit, 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 edit. And go through things and, like, even if a line is really funny, like, does it does it matter? It doesn't matter if it's in or out. If it's you know like you can't be married to certain things in mm-hmm. scripts, like yep. because sometimes you just have to cut them. With with our ten years, so have the attention. I think the attention spans of people have shrunk. Uh, be it Twitter or uh, you know just the way the world is going. But in the last couple of years, exceptionally, I think we've got very good at what what's this for? Why is this here? What does this do? Cut. Cut, 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 cut. I mean, the days of seven or eight minute sketches for us are over, I think, for sure. Like, um, most of the concepts that we want to attempt, if that story can't be told in four or five minutes, it's not worth telling for us now. That's not to say there's no exceptions. But by and large, I think a lot of we've become, and that comes with being mm-hmm. comfortable with each other. That comes with saying, what's this for? What are you doing here? What, what, what's, yeah. this paragraph can be a sentence. We've cut half pages off scripts. Like in the last year, I can remember doing that. It's like, wow, like, how about that? That really wasn't necessary. Take a red pen to it. That's that's the biggest thing I would tell it. And do that before you put it on its feet. Mm -hmm. Like, get the, find it in its most concise. And then when you put it on its feet, be prepared to make further edits. Because things that seem like a good idea on paper, or like once you're getting up and moving around, like, I wish we sometimes would like get up earlier mm-hmm. i know that's partly all of i'll, I'll cop to it but we're um lazy. yeah we're lazy <laughs> well, uh, but like i like at the same point like i love it when i love it when we're actually on our feet and doing something because then like new jokes come out and you're actually doing it, and, see you, it. and you can see it and it's like oh wow we're i stood over there for a really long time before i made it over to the other place and that's really slowing everything down as much as i think this is funny and that's you know just get up and be active when you're when you're reading your sketches there are so many more opportunities to go up and be active now, too. I think that goes without saying, but mm-hmm. there was no sketch up or shut up when we started. There were no sketch classes. There was a class at Temple. That doesn't really count. No, you go there to New no York, stage. you go to L.A., you yeah. go to... Right, you right. have to, like, you have to go... You have to travel for a sketch comedy class right. or go to be in college. Sure. Yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a, like, fairly natural progression now in the city. Like, I want to do sketch comedy. Here's where you start. Boom. That, and there, that wasn't then. So there are more opportunities than ever and more stage time than ever. Uh, so, yeah. Just go do it. Go try it. Give it a shot. Uh, what about the uh, importance of a third eye, an outside eye? Because uh, you, you guys didn't necessarily have a director. Oh, Steve. Uh, for the most part. For video our, director. director. Yeah. Video videos, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I... Is it weird that I feel like somebody usually likes 
has a, an idea an art group and becomes sort of a director of the I've scene is along with the writer times, yeah. I feel like there's always been a time where like somebody's you just you, you know somebody in the group has sees it the way you see it or is there and like you trust their view and you're like I want to hear more from them because they're, this is going to make it better I don't, I, that's how I feel I don't I think we all self I think we're self-directing but and it's mm-hmm. it's become much more of a collaboration over the last yeah. couple of years too I would say like it just just tonight we were looking at oh this person wrote this sketch this person wrote this sketch but most of the sketches now not most a lot come from these conversations that inspires a sketch and someone just goes someone goes and writes it sure and they wrote it but like it's a it's more collaborative than it's ever been I feel mm-hmm. like I don't know that we could say what it, we would have been like if we had someone yeah. who's not a part of the group directing. I don't know that we. I don't know that we have that. Yeah. I think our, a lot. Of, I would probably also say that a lot of us have uh, problems with authority. <laughs> like, I don't know that I would. No. I, I don't know that I would. Yeah. Outside you know what? That's person. a really good point. Yeah. I wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't cotton to it. <laughs> so for a new Samantha has unpaid parking tickets. She doesn't oh, care. Wow. Problem authority. Problem authority. Get out of here, authority. Uh, for a one. new team, if they were not to have a director, uh, <laughs> the main lesson to them would be to what? Uh, go to as far front stage as you can. <laughs> yeah. Project. Yeah. And yeah. Project. Talk, to the, talk to the back, back of the room. The yeah. And always face the audience. Yeah, I would say like you know all of it comes. Uh, uh, you have to watch what you're doing from the perspective of an audience. And, and, and erase your brain to what you know is happening and just watch it like a person who's seen it for the first time. Because if I think about all of our sketches that we did early and where they really failed, not where they kind of failed, because they mostly failed in the writing, but they really failed in the blocking and performance because we weren't thinking about what the audience was, was doing. Here's a big problem we had is that we were used to doing videos, and so when we staged the live show, we staged the live show like we were shooting a video. You can't. You have to stage a live show in a very different way. And I don't think we had that in mind at all. Um, And we weren't able to look at what we were doing, step back from it, see it as an audience, and then make changes that way. Um, And so that's what what I would say you have to do. Mm -hmm. If you're going to stage something, you have to look at it as an audience member and say, okay, and be ready to be wrong about what you decided to do. You were wrong. You, You don't, you should not have done this thing that you, you know, in some cases, you may have based a sketch on something that is ultimately incorrect, and you'd be ready to throw it away. You know. Mm-hmm. I also I also think you need, you need to memorize your lines, like the the idea of having confidence. And I, I'm guilty of this too. Sometimes, like like I, I nothing makes me feel worse than when I'm over stressed and busy with something else that prevents me from learning a line or whatever it is. And then I have a line, and then I'm trying to memorize it backstage. And it's just not a good feeling. You're just like I. I'm not gonna have the. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna fool the audience, and that's that's like when you're rehearsed, you can trick a lot of things because they don't know what's wrong because you just seem so comfortable. And then you have the gist of it. So even if you don't remember your line, you can say what you right. know the character's trying to get across. Mm-hmm. And in 2006, it might have been like, "Oh, you stepped on my line," and like today, it'd be like, "Whatever." Like we were <laughs> we were trying we were trying to make the sketch as funny as possible, and we all trust one another mm-hmm. out there. I think it's a, it's okay. Oh yeah, I remember one sketch we had like our one of our worst shows, which was Terror Dome Two, um, just being massively underprepared, yep. and we had this Back to the Future sketch, which was like a. A child getting a, a child custody battle was Kramer versus Kramer versus Back to the Future, uh, and it wasn't going anywhere. And Paul 
was like the entire time uh, just during, re- during rehearsal, Paul was like, I feel like I should be doing more. <laughs> and, and, uh, and we were like, no, no, no. Like people need to be paying attention to this part and it wasn't working. And then all of a sudden Paul started acting out on stage and I was so happy. I was like, oh, thank God Paul Dave made that decision because this sketch is dying. This is dying right now. Yeah. It was it was a custody battle between two parents and one who liked Back to the Future 1 and one who liked Back to the Future 2 more. And that was the basis. No, of it, was it, was it was three. It was three. Three was the contention. Everybody liked one and two. It was the fact that one of them wanted to raise their child with three in canon. And, 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 and the other parent wanted, like, that's not canon. That's because everyone knows that women really like Back to Future 3 because of the love story element to it. You're, you're my Clarabelle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'd like to talk a bit about... Uh, Back to the Future. Back to the Future, if we could, uh, for a little while. Uh, the r- general writing process that you guys have, and maybe how it's evolved. Like if if there, let's say there's a theme show coming up, uh, that's which, how it is. Yeah, it's, it's all deadline what, based. What we usually do then for like if there's a theme show, we kind of think about it, and then we come to the meeting and we just kind of pitch ideas and say, oh well, if it, what? How about we do this? It's uh, a lamb is a, a waiter. No, okay. How about a lion? Is this like you know like we we sit around and we talk about it and then. When things start to, like an idea starts to stick, then we kind of just uh, riff on it and we joke about it and then we'll start taking notes and then usually somebody comes back, like pens it and then comes back to the next meeting. But we usually kind of just kind of talk it out and, and come up with ideas and, and, and figure out what the beats are. Yeah. and It didn't used yeah. to be that way, but that's no. what it is now. Before it was like bring a sketch in that you wrote. And then you, or or and then like, we just and read it, and then we'd all read it, and if it got if it went over well, then that was great. We shoot it the next Saturday, right? We'd shoot it. <laughs> everybody, everybody, get off work real quick, uh, or uh, yeah. Uh, you play this part, read it this way, right? Trade trade parts, and sometimes we'd be like, oh, this needs a rewrite, and we rewrite it and and go back at it. Um, but for the most part, I, it, it was interesting. Once theme shows started happening, I think that's when we began like the collaboration process because it was all a matter of like. What's everybody else gonna do? And like everybody sort of had had a had a had an attempt at throwing something out there, like attached to that idea. We it all made us think of something different. Well, that was always because it was uh, what's everybody else gonna do? Let's think of the opposite of that, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because you know you can you can assume that a given theme will have five or six ideas that come to the mind. You know, or like maybe not come right away, but like a little bit. And so how do you like what's the absolute opposite of that and sometimes we could get it and sometimes we just do whatever everybody else would do but i don't know sometimes it's successful and sometimes it's not but you know i can't i bet you even the best sketch groups in the world had a you know a seven it's a 40 percent success rate i would love show. to hear what that like that's what i liked about uh like a, some of the books that like the the um what are they called? The oral histories where mm-hmm. they're just like, they're not, there's no narrative. It's just them. It's just quotes. And, uh, I, I like hearing people talk about what they don't like about like what they didn't enjoy performing or what they felt like. Cause I think that people still for as much success as they get ha- must have like, I hate that sketch. And then people are like, Oh, I love this. I love this. And you're like, I, I there's so much I want to improve on that. Mm-hmm. I mean, is there something that we've written that we've written recently that really was? I, I guess the last thing we, that was that went, I guess, really well that we wrote completely collaboratively 
at a table together, came up with the idea, and roughed it out was the Danzig sketch. Mother. Yeah. yeah mother. That was, that was the last one I think that we... The others have, have been... You know, we talked about ideas, some wrote a draft, we brought them in, we punched them up, but I think that was the last one that we did, and that was a year ago, that we did, that we really wrote at the table. Is that a fair... Well, no, uh, well oh, that went over that really went over well. well. Or yeah. pick anyone. We did, they, they, well, the, the, in like a line out like a lamb, we did, we just sat at, at Murph's and just... Yeah, and even gave. the science festival yeah. thing was sort of a back and forth between mm-hmm. drafts and like discussions, and I know that, that the thing we did for uh, ours was the... Uh, like, I just had all the notes written down. Like, I just had lines, 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 and then I'd marry those lines to a, a story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I wasn't around for the, in like a line, out like a lamp. That's why I don't remember that. And I feel like that, the one you're talking about, which yeah. we just did, um, that was really, like, it was a collection of lines, but we didn't figure out how it all went together as much. You, you did that more yourself, and then we brought it back, I feel. And Danzig's just a collection of lines that were sort of stripped down. And, and well, I thought we really figured out what the the like the, the, the flow of that was yeah. when we were sitting. We were at Frankfurt Hall, I think, and we were just figuring out exactly how everything should happen. Um, that was for theme show. It was uh, the theme was Mother's, Mother's Day. Day. Mother's, Mother's Day. Day yeah. uh, and could That's one of you just old? summarize the <laughs> the sketch for us? Well, that's another instance where we didn't want to go with the obvious thing. Yeah. Right. And so we we're just sitting. You know, we we're sitting at Frankfurt Hall, just trying to think about things that have to do with mothers or mother, the idea of motherhood. And um, uh, I just said, uh, you know, it started with, uh, you know, what if we, what if uh, Danzig uh, wrote the song Mother, but his first draft was just about how he really loved his mother. (laughs) And uh, we all thought that was funny. And then, so we sort of like, we started talking it through and it was, uh, you know. Throwing out, you know. Throwing out lines in a character's voice. Oh, yeah. singing the song too was yeah. great. Yeah. yeah, just getting like singing lines of that song is fun. Like half of us were arguing in favor of Danzig being really like really loving his mother, and the other half were arguing against Danzig really loving his mo- mother, and sort of sort of started to take shape there uh, at that at that picnic table. Uh, that being nine years in, uh, I remember being on stage and like. You can feel when something's going well before it's over. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're once you're like you're off to the races and like you're you, you're just going. And like that was the last time I felt that way. Not to say anything else. Everything else since then has been bad. But I just think that I have that distinct memory of being on stage that night and being just like, wow, the word this is awesome. And and it's yeah. not even over yet. Like it, yeah. Yeah. everything came together for that. Speech. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, it's a perfect I, storm. Like the sketch, the 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 script itself was great. The performances, we really rehearsed that, and then we had all the costumes and the The look was great, too, yeah. 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 That's the cool thing about doing the theme show, uh, which has been our MO in recent years, is, you know, when you do a whole set, you're worried about a quick change and putting a video here, but the theme show, show up and do it, and that's it. You put all your juice for one night into one sketch, and we've been... Going like that for a while. I thought you were going to say, put all your juice in one box. Put all your wine in one box. Just stick that straw in it. Suck it up. Suck it up. It's kind of the beautiful thing about theme show sketches, and also kind of the thing that's a little frustrating about theme show sketches, is that they only happen once. So there's a magical thing that happens on stage once. But you have to put all that work into writing sure. it, work into rehearsing it, buying or accumulating props and costumes for that. That so you just much. hope that it's good enough that you could do it again. Like 
and it works out of the context, outside the context of. I think but Paul's forty percent success rate speaks pretty highly. But, but if, you, if, you, them, if you look through our theme show track record, I think you're about forty percent isn't too far. Well, right? if, you, if you look through our second bedroom full of props and costumes, never <laughs> used after that one time. Some of the all sketches the, too. All we the just, roller sketch stuff. We certainly can't like the the Joe Paterno one. We can't. We just can't do that in the middle of a show or even at the beginning or the end. And the the the, the Twilight Zone one we did. I mean, these are mm-hmm. ones that are. They're just so costume intensive that we we can't yeah, do the, them in a show. Oh well, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, well, the bedtime stories before theme show that the the kiss um, juggle of Sunday, oh, Sunday. Sunday was for that. Which is like, what are we gonna do with this thing now? Yeah. And we shot it, but like I don't know the the Twilight Zone yeah. sketch outside of no, a live yeah. performance doesn't have the impact. Yeah. The magic of that is relative yeah. to it being on a stage. The magic of the Joe Paterno one is relative to it being on a stage and and. You know, thinking that Brian is playing a prop when really yeah. he's not. You know, so it's about the trickery, and that just doesn't translate yeah. to video. And if, and if, if anybody listening translated on, translated no, that did. No, it did. That I did. Should just, I'll pop in and say if anybody listening has not seen these sketches that we're talking about, both of them involved full face makeup. All three of them did. Yeah, full face makeup well, and complete like yeah. Twilight costumes. Twilight Zone was an attempt at creating a black and white we were environment. Black and white. Yeah. So and we, we painted, painted yeah. we painted everyone as black and white. Everyone and everything. Everything. Yeah. All of our costumes. All the costumes, all the props, everything had a, a, that gray, a, a gray scale. That grayscale, yeah. yeah. And it was awesome. Yeah. Um, Very for, for the For the 19 people who saw it, <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> so yeah, it's a, a magical it thing. It's on a hard drive. A magical yeah. thing. Probably. It did, it's, on, it is, it's on a protected Vimeo link if you'd like to see it. <laughs> you can email me. You personally, not anybody else. <laughs> We've beamed it out into space. Yeah. I would like to see that because I remember uh, I directed Asteroid. I don't remember I directed Asteroid. I directed Asteroid and we did the B movie. Yeah. And we had discussed uh, getting dressed up in a, uh, like a, like a sort of a grayscale like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Luke was like, no. Secret Pants did it. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. Like, We're Simpsons did right, it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so Simpsons did it. <laughs> We're mad TV did it. Yeah. <laughs> and I was slightly disappointed. Sorry. But we didn't do it. I'm sorry, you could have. <laughs> you could have. It would have been, been okay. It probably would have, in for an improv show, it probably would have been a little distracting. It worked for ours because it was the opening image of the scene, and then the conceit of it was that we, like, it was about that. It wasn't oh, yeah, just a, a thing. We had our Rod Serling in the beginning to, in, in, yeah. to like make sure. But that was the Twilight Zone yeah, theme but, show. It was, yeah, right. It was a Twilight Zone theme show. Bill and that's what we just, knew. Yeah, like, no no one's Zone. going to do this. Like No one it is going to come to us in black and white. Lights yeah. up. We're in black and white. And then, <laughs> and then Paul and I were going, I think we can actually do that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the things that we're probably all pretty proud of is that and this probably I feel like it separates us from the other groups that are in the town is that when we go in for an idea, we go all in. All the details, we, and I know Samantha and I, are vo- and Paul and the rest of you guys, we're very concerned about the details being right, and we pride ourselves on that. The questions that get asked about, is this okay? Like, I, I find that like, there's minutiae that I ask or make sure of. Like, I, if I'm responsible for bringing my own costume to be a part of someone else's sketch, I would like to check in with them to make sure that that's the right costume that they want, and if not, how I can do better. Like, it's just, we have to make it, it we have to take that step to, to have a plausible 
like the, 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 what is it the um the audience disbelief yeah. like just let them let them just enjoy it let them let them be part of an experience there's definitely a sense of perverse pleasure i think of the other groups in the what used to be the basement of the shoe but being like wow <laughs> like watching us haul these props in and painting our bodies and watching us rehearse like like these other groups like marveling at how ridiculous we are like there's probably some weird like back in my day like pleasure out of that i think we're gonna find out aren't we i don't know i mean for us we we take like we take pleasure in that like like yeah that's right that is how we do it you know like you know well it's all you know it's for it's all about for me it's a bit you know it comes down to an audience you're playing a trick on the audience sure that's why you do that and if you are going to play the most complicated um, sophisticated trick you can you need to make sure those things are right or the trick is going to you know it's going to succeed or die because of those details right so it's about making sure that that trick is is as right as it needs to be not too far and not too little. And if you do it, stay consistent. That's uh, like if you're a group, uh, who is the group? And I, I should know this immediately, but it's uh, X Action Section members. Action Section? Yeah. Oh, um, uh, sorry. You're the Hold Steady. No, the Hold Up. The Hold Up. That's a band. <laughs> Punch in right here. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, there's this group called the Hold Up. Yeah. Uh, and their whole like conceit is that when they do things, they their props are very minimal, but they have them very stylized. The mm-hmm. ones that they do have. So when you do see a prop from them, it's a treat, and it's always neat. And like that's the thing; it's just consistency. So if we do a show, we have to stay consistent. If we're going to use a lot of props and costumes, we can't just walk out like for one sketch and be like, "Well, just assume I'm a dinosaur right now." <laughs> we're going to have a dinosaur. I also, as an audience member, find it distracting. Like, if somebody's like, oh, I'm, I'm eating pizza, but they're holding, like, a pretzel. And then I'm like, why didn't they just say pretzel? Why right. would they say pizza? Right. This is all wrong. And then I'm distracted. Or Which the is, idea of what they will you bring You couldn't get a phone! Yeah, like, that something right. like that. What, what, you, what you will bring on stage. So it's like, you decide that you're going to bring on these, like, I guess, you know, it was, it was actually a criticism group we saw in Toronto, but they're like, they decided to bring on these, uh, ski poles for their downhill skiing thing, but nothing else. And like, it was, but like, there was other things that could have been in, in, in the props that like would have made more sense or would have contributed more to what the actual sketch was about. And, and it doesn't like, you're like, why pick that? Why pick one thing that has, you know, it doesn't, you have to weigh those, you know, do it, go, go all or nothing. Uh, I'm sure you guys have seen Cambridge Footlights. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't. If I, I saw them uh, last summer, uh, and I don't think they used any props, did they? They had like a lot of text. I think they had tech. They had, oh, they had, they had tech had, for sure. Yeah, they, had, they definitely had tech. But like props, physical props. Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't see their last show. I saw the the year before that, and they did. They did. Okay. Yeah, they had. A, I mean, I don't. But, I don't have any problem with that. Either all in or all out. Right. Right. Yeah. Set, <laughs> for set, like just just set the expectation with the audience, and then deliver. And yeah. if you're going to do it all in, then you do it. And if you're going to do it with an affect, then do it with the affect. And if you're going to do nothing, then do it nothing. Yeah. Just make it your own. That's true of improv as well. Uh, th- there will be scenes where someone says, uh, you know, they're paying for pizza. They'll take out their real wallet uh, and then they'll pet an imaginary elephant. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because it's improv and there's elephants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so if it's 
In improv, it's nothing. Just don't, don't uh, pull nope. out your real well. Yeah, no props. And so that's Toronto. They seem to have that. That philosophy tends to carry. It seemed to carry over into sketch comedy. They were very minimal, and if there was uh, anything, there was very little at all. And so when we did Alley of Nightmares, not We Secret Pants, but when Alley of Nightmares went up to Toronto, uh, uh, Brian says we actually got criticized for people for being. You know, having props, having set dressing, having costume changes. Because most of the groups we saw had nothing. Mm-hmm. It was a very, I guess, an, the improv tradition of sketch comedy. And that's, but to like what Brian Craig was saying, I'm fine with that. It's just that... Well, I think the audience will suspend disbelief. I think we found that out, too. Like, the like we were, the audience in Toronto or Canada or whatever, you know, you guys, I don't want to speak for all. But no, the fine. audience is like, they were willing to suspend disbelief to a certain extent. You know, and like they 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 were just sort of like willing to work work with the uh, performers on stage. I just I, I agree with Samantha though. You just can't go half in. It's no, like you can't go gonna... half in, and you can't. Yeah, you can't have something and then not. It's just weird. I, no I don't half know. measures. Yeah, we're half <laughs> measures. Where it's just to the point where it's distracting to me. Right. It's like if you're gonna have a twister board out, like a yeah. twister mat, yeah. and you're playing twister, and you say you're eating chips, just have the fucking yeah, chips. Yeah, just have chips, I mean? like, and then but not have something else. Like I've seen things where it was something completely different than what they said they were. Like why? Why do you do that? <laughs> this is kind of continuing with the the writing process a bit. This was a question from Mike Butler, uh, and I think I know the answer to this because I've seen your table upstairs. Uh, do you have a folder of sketches that will never see the light of day? Uh, maybe too vile, too weird. Um, <laughs> what are they about? Uh, I think that what are they about would take way too long because, again, I've seen what's sitting up the stairs. Um, but is there any, maybe a couple sketches that uh, were just like maybe one pass, like, nope. Mike Butler sounds like an alias. <laughs> Who's that? Who that really? He's, he's, a real, he's a real man. <laughs> it's I, a fake yeah. name. It's me. Uh, it's like being too sketch. vile or insane is never the reason. No. Yeah, they're just sketch. bad. Yeah. Okay. If we're not doing it. Uh, the, the, a lot of things end at... Uh, is this funny? Is this is this one line? Is this a thing? Is, it, is, 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 is this funny for 15 seconds or is this funny for three or four minutes? And it usually never gets out of the starting block. We could probably, probably have a thousand... Ten second sketch ideas yeah. that have gone by the way. So I think the, I think the ones that are like that that because I, I think that happens sometimes too though, and, and it's like no, just go back and work hard. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, and then there are other ones where it's like no, that's that is what it is. It's a one trick pony. You can't you, you, you can't dress it up. It's it's gonna like well, I'll bring out the one that's been sort of like we we've done it and to to, to people's not happiness like dismay like it's uh. <laughs> Uh, this one called "My Parents Are Going to Kill Me," which is a point counterpoint of um, like a a teenager, a typical white female teenager from an affluent household, being like, "Oh, I got a B on my science test. My parents are going to kill me." Uh, versus uh, cut like cut to a, another sta- part of the stage with the light down. It's a baby, like a, a baby from China who is speaking. Uh, you know, as a monologue, and, and the mother's holding, and it's my parents are legitimately going to kill me. I'm a I'm a, I'm a girl in, in population control China, and like it's 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 you know it's it's polarizing, uh, and some people think it's really funny because it's wrong, and then there are people that are like, no, it's just not funny. There's something funny about that, and, but that uh, doesn't really even like what Mike's question is. Right. 
is are there quick sketches that won't see the light of day? We've done that th- at least three times. No, but I mean, like, against it, all of my arguments. Right, that, that should never. That, that's a sketch. I want to point out, but like, that's a sketch that probably should never have seen the light of day, and we've kept trying to polish that turd, or like, you know, kept trying to like, no, we'll show you, you know, we'll show you. It's funny. Mm-hmm. People will get this. And every time... This was all because I, I fought it, I No, think. no. You, I think... You, well, we, Larry was very adamant of it happening because she was fighting it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that's Larry. It is... It was against uh, all of uh, Samantha, Samantha's... Uh, um, better, uh, judgment. better judgment. Better judgment. We, we did we, it. Let's not call her wishes. There was better judgment. Better judgment. Mm-hmm. But, that, but, does that make up for it? So, <laughs> no. So I'll tell you... <laughs> I get, uh, we were... So we were talking about the... There was a pile of 10 years worth of sketches upstairs... Most of which we have not done. Most of which. And I, we were going through the pile and we were trying to figure out who wrote what. In some cases our names are on them, in some cases they're not. And Brian pulled out one and he read the title and he said, who wrote this? And I said, it was me. And the title of it, I can't remember what the sketch is about, but the title of it is The Autistics. Yes. It's like The Fantastics, but The Autistics. And I was like, that was me. Don't remember what it is. Don't read it. <laughs> Don't, let's not read it. I titled something that, but... Thank God we never that never happened because it probably was about a, I don't know what it was about I don't know what it was but uh, no there's no reason it ever should have made made it out into the world I'll say this then on that subject there's a lot of stuff that I wrote that's just cheap like cheap shots like pot shots at like oh you know it's funny because yeah and it's it's <laughs> like it's not funny because of that and it's weak and it's lame and you're just you're sort of making fun of people more so than you're actually making yeah. comedy and that's the kind of stuff that like I'm embarrassed that I've written because it's not it's not a joke it's just it's 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 not a joke at all this uh why uh, or my my parents are going to kill me uh was that a would you say that's the most contentious sketch or one of the, the most the most contentious sketch we've ever done uh, this is a question at... by uh, Greg Mon. Oh, Greg Mon. Brilliant prop theater. Friend of, friend of oh. the podcast. Never Wait, I may, we may amend our answer then. <laughs> <laughs> is he sponsored the show? Are you time out for sponsors? No. Nah. Uh, uh, there was a Dirtiest Sketch contest, and the first one, we did something called the raping game, which is the dating game, except instead of going on a date, uh, the female is trying to get raped. Uh at the Kyber, at the dirtiest sketch in Philadelphia the contest, context of the show, it's pretty funny. It even won the contest. Uh, it was a well-written sketch. Other places, not so much. Uh, to the point of like heckling and someone yelling very accurately, "Rape isn't funny!" In the middle of our sketch. <laughs> to their credit. To their credit, it's not. Uh, so. In, 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 that's probably the most contentious we've ever had. Now that's contentious, contentious from in terms the of the audience. audience. What about from within oh, the inner group? Yeah, I think my parents are going to kill me would probably be sorry. the one. No, no, that, that's a good That was the only take. one I think that we, like, anyone was arguing. Against. Like, absolutely. Like, and I wasn't even just going, well, I don't think it's that great, but okay. Like, I was saying we should not do this, and then you guys did it anyway. I think yeah. that was the only mm-hmm. time that happened. Well, here's here's one that I'll throw out. Was that at the Muhlenberg show? That was at that's the yeah, first Muhlenberg, one. Yeah, because we did it at Muhlenberg. Yeah, and then um, I think we did it. I think we and did got it. no laughs. And then I said, "See, guys." And then you're like, well, "We did it." Con- then we did it. We did it years later. Later at Connie's Rick Rack, and it still got no laughs. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I will say, here's I don't a, think we did it a third time, though. I think that was the two times. It's coming up. Performed. Third time's coming up, I think. <laughs> Ten-year anniversary Hell, we got a worst of show. Ten-year anniversary show. I think Larry's just going to show up at her house and perform it. Um, uh, there <laughs> was a lot of... Happy anniversary. Larry couldn't make it to our wedding, but he was planning on doing it at our wedding. There was a lot of disagreement about the first draft of... Um, uh, uh, the Snoopy sketch, right. Red Baron, yeah. Snoopy versus Red, the Red Baron's Christmas. Yeah. So the first, the first draft of that just had them both gleefully talking about raping Snoopy, Snoopy yeah. with a bar- bayonet, right? Mm-hmm. And we had a, got into this really long uh, discussion about uh, we were split between this is funny because it's a cartoon character and a cartoon dog, or this is not funny because it, it just goes too far. Um, and it was about, you know, we talked about the horrors of war and what was appropriate and what made those things appropriate. We discussed it for a long time. And then we agreed. I don't know. How how did we eventually get to where we I went to? I don't know. I actually think that maybe part of it was that we would shorten that aspect of it. Like, and I think that was uh, your your uh, higher officer character saying, well, you, you know, it's a war crime. You can't, well, you can't tell me did. about it, but like, yeah, but yeah, but like that was one of the lines. We, I can't remember how. But we, we eventually we shortened. Just, we did shorten that. Like we agreed to shorten that aspect of it and make it more. Well, about, we wrote, we wrote the discussion we right. Saying, right, we wrote yeah. the discussion. I think we were just because we were saying that it, it went too far, and they were like, "Well, what if he says it goes too far? What if we ever? What if we, yeah. we make that a point of saying yeah. that within? Yeah. And it worked, and we did it, and yeah. then we were happy with it. I yeah. think. And also, you doing both parts really like keeps it silly. It keeps it not as serious and keeps it light. I would agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there anything else? Anything else we really are? I mean, one time we Brian and I argued uh, for uh, three hours about whether a toaster should have an accent, but that really isn't the intention. <laughs> um, did we? Or, what was it? Yeah, we argued about that toaster in the Ron Jeremy sketch for like three hours. I don't want to say it was three hours, but I <laughs> will like it. not say it was three hours. <laughs> it probably did feel like it. Nothing is too far. Was it Toaster Hanks? Yes. Because yeah. I love Toaster Hanks. Did I win that argument? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You don't even know what you won. We all what won. Is, what is the point? This is the point. It doesn't I just matter. want to know that I won. That's, and it, I think that's another good point. That like This may seem like it really matters right now, but it doesn't. Like It may seem like this is... I'm... Mm, uh, this is the sketch to, and I'm this is gonna make me break and it doesn't make it things continue on and there's a reason like somebody you know it's usually the person that is right that gets the thing on but it does so matter I, it matters very much in that second it absolutely does yeah but you make your point and then I think at some points not to say like you have to be concede or compromise but there are moments where you need to pick and choose your battles and that's I don't know what happened there, but uh, oh, was it the fact that Toaster Hanks would talk? No, it would have to do with the attitude of what, of Toaster Hanks, <laughs> whether or not he would be smug or friendly. I think it's, it was that, or an accent, or something. And we got into a heated discussion over the attitude, or something having to do with the. With the oh per- no, it was whether Toaster Hanks would have a um, all of a sudden have a face uh, uh, and, and mouth. Right. It would be a mouth. Uh, or not, and it would, or it would just be a voiceover, or if all of a sudden the silver like siding would all all of a sudden become like, oh, I'm a face now and I can talk. 
versus... I don't agree. I think it had it was more about the personality of the toaster once it spoke, not necessarily what it would, how it would speak, what it was speaking you like. You would! <laughs> okay. No, 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 no. I have no idea. I, Superman's I, is breaking yeah. up. I, I, I have no idea what it was about. Mike. Thanks for coming, Mike. <laughs> but that sketch got made, and, and uh, Ron Jeremy's awesome, and uh, that was an opportunity. I want to get to that real fast. I don't want this to last too much longer, but I also know you have food upstairs, right? Oh. Yeah, well, it's all meat, uh, so guys, it'll, it'll, it'll taste great cold, too. Yeah, sure. Okay, well, we'll, we'll, wrap, we'll wrap this up uh, uh, within the next two hours. Um, you guys have a, and I don't know if you were joking, uh, but a worst of show? Yes. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, no, that's literally what it is. You're, you're really we're, doing we're, the worst we're, of we're show. We're doing it's two nights to, at the Fit yeah. on May 29th and 30th. And Thursday night is going to be the worst of Secret Pants. And Friday night's going to be the best of Secret Pants. Awesome. That's exclusive. That's yours, uh, you Now, are these that. worst yeah, of ones that have hit the stage or worst of that you can find in that pile a of A little sketches? bit of both, I think. We haven't quite figured it out, but it's going to be a little bit of both. So th- there will be new sketches that could be terrible that we haven't seen. Pro- now that we, yeah, I mean, now possibly. that we we have some time to go through that, now that we know the pile is up there, yeah, probably. We might. We talked about it's not necessarily going to be. The worst things we ever wrote, we have to, or the worst sketches that we ever put on stage. It might also be things that we may have been fine with in the t- at the time, but are dated, or for some reason didn't shouldn't have been done when we you know, like, or didn't work, for this, didn't work or, in this situation for this reason. There's a sketch that, um, and I, I see the, my mother, my, my parents are going to kill me again. No, <laughs> uh, there's a sketch that Paul wrote uh, <laughs> called Wipeout Wabbit. And uh, on paper, and you've taken this to many, like, classes and whatnot, yeah. and everybody's like, oh, wow, this is a good sketch, and Paul would go, and I thought that too. <laughs> and and every time we performed it, it would just be, not dead, but... Yeah, it was dead. I mean, when, yeah. when, you, when, you're, when you're up there, you, you feel it. You're like, well, it's not pity laughter, but, like, the lines aren't... You better get you better get to that next line because you're waiting for laughter that's not yeah. coming. So this mm-hmm. is going to get awkward real quick, uh, and and that's so it'll be it'll yeah. be a good sampling of the worst of for different reasons. Yeah. Okay. And we, we're hoping that uh, everything will have some sort of anecdote maybe connected. Maybe not everything, yeah. but some things will have an the, anecdote. The stories connected. will be the more most important part. Yeah. Joe Moore is going to host the symposium. Yeah, right. And, uh, <laughs> On Thursday, uh, Bing Supernova will open for us. No, he's not. No, he's Friday. not. Friday, oh, Friday is going to be Chip Chantry opening for us. Bing cannot do Thursday. Bing can't do Thursday. Uh, yeah. It was going to be Bing. Bing, Bing realized it was secret pants. Oh, yeah. He's double booked in another... He decided to do a, 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 a beef and beer at the Elks Lodge instead. Yeah. So it's in Delco. <laughs> <laughs> Just the, the city of Delco. <laughs> Delco, Pennsylvania. Uh, but yeah, that's, but yeah so the, the that's ve- thing that's going to happen. Our worst of show is called uh, Free to a Home. It's but like good free, is crossed out. Right, it's Free to a Good, good, good home, home, but then the good is crossed out. And then out. our, our uh, best of show is called uh, Wouldn't Change It for the World or Best Offer. <laughs> <laughs> and that's May 29th and 30th? Yep. Yes. Okay. That's and that's the, the, the 10-year yeah, kind of yeah, celebration. Yeah, 10-year anniversary huh? party. Okay. You know, is there going to be... Uh, sketches spanning that entire time? Probably. Yeah. We thought uh, about like putting dates up to sort of note when a sketch was from. It, it, whether that was for the worst of or best of, but I think worst yeah. of would be better context to sort of like, you know, if there's like an Ayatollah Asahola. It would be that. You know, like we would want to have maybe have a date on that. 
and mix of uh, live and, and video yep. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, there's some videos. Give us some time to change. Yeah, gotta have some time to change. Yeah. How often do you guys meet? We, we try for every Wednesday. Every Wednesday. Wednesday. No, well, can, can I tell them? Sure, why? give them the we, We've been getting older and lazier, and now we started calling our meeting Supper Club, and now <laughs> each one of us gets to pick a restaurant on Wednesday, and we get nothing done. <laughs> <laughs> we true. get things done, but... We, we had to postpone uh, Supper Club recently just so we could actually have meetings where we write stuff. Yeah. And we're disappointed. Yeah. So we're, we're really looking forward to after May 30th when we get back to Supper Club. <laughs> <laughs> or Barbecue Club. It'll yeah. be summer. Yeah. After Memorial Day, people can wear white again. It's, yeah. it's a lot Outdoor of Outdoor eating. Oh, good. I can wear my white outfits. Well, Brian Craig likes to wear a lot yeah, of white. Pastels. I, I, I wear a lot of stuff. I mean, like a lot of great I'm looking forward yeah, right. to it. But, uh, yeah, we, I mean, more Wednesdays than not, I would. I, for sure. Yeah, for more, sure. 90% of Wednesdays. Really, yeah, really the only thing that keeps us from meeting Wednesday if somebody's like out of the state. I think that's really where it went. Or if there's, or like a there's more than, than one, one person, yeah, yeah, or more. Or there's than a one, week, yeah. the week of a show, we got to do like Tuesday and Thursday, or you know, yeah. we rehearse on the phone. Once a week is pro- usually pretty regular. Yeah, and since the some, beginning, it's been every Wednesday. And then sometimes, like last week, we were together th- three days out of the week. Yeah, um, since the beginning, the average like out ten years, like ten every years, Wednesday, every single, Wednesday, single yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not Christmas. Gotcha. <laughs> And think, emails too. I think one person may have used that as an excuse to not show up anymore. He's like, yeah, I can't make Wednesdays, so uh, I'm not going to come anymore. But he left for other reasons. Peace. Too. I don't remember that one. Every Wednesday. Yeah, that's crazy. Think that anything is done every Wednesday for 10 years? you're talking about. What? <laughs> or are you doing, are you trying to think of it trying right to, now? Oh, I uh, think I got it <laughs> Uh, you have visual gags don't work on radio, guys. Yeah, no, perfect. No, it is. There's also an inside joke. Don't Guilty work pleasures on. coming up as well. Yes. That's true. Yeah. Depends if this comes oh, yeah. out. Do we get everybody back? We shook Joe Moore uh, down well, and told him we're going to come this Friday. This very also, Friday. Um, I I wanted to talk to you about that because you know you're you're a good oh yeah teachers improv you're you're you know you're a good instructor nervous. and I have severe anxiety about improv because mm-hmm. I'm a very like. I'll tell you a story about when I was little. My mom said that when I was learning to walk that I never just went for it. I I spent months just crawling over to a table and just Studying practicing walking. Right. And then I would go and I'd crawl until I was completely ready. And that's why I'm good with sketch because I can I can write. And then I she got her feet and she was like steps and. Yeah, uh, but I, I, like, I, I panic when I'm like on the spot and I'm unprepared. And then I feel like all I'll be thinking about is, oh, oh I should have said that. I said blue and I should have said red. Like, what was I thinking? And then that's all I'll be doing. Like, what do I do? Uh, well, I would say uh, I a, couple, a couple quick things <laughs> that you're going to be in a protective environment. Okay. Uh, you're going to be protected with the idea that you, people know that you guys are not improvisers. So you're going to be protected that way. Uh, so those two things alone should put you somewhat at ease. Uh, the other thing is that improv and sketch, good improv... I should say, and sketch are very similar. Uh, so when you're listening to these uh, stories that that Joe is uh, that that you guys are reading or Joe is reading, uh, just look for what's funny. Look for what's funny and then play with that. Uh, and you guys have been together for ten years. You'll probably all find the th- same things funny. So if you were to come out and initiate a scene based on what you find funny about that particular uh, monologue or story or scene that you go over. The odds are 
one of the other guys is going to know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, so walk. Just walk. Okay. <laughs> Treat everything that Joe gives us as a theme show. Yeah. Okay. Enjoy and every sandwich. He likes Enjoy us and he'll take care of us. Yeah. And just like you you learned in the uh, uh, the the show where the, the tech kind of went wrong, uh, in the Best Western, uh, <laughs> just have fun. Okay. Really. Uh, fun. I mean, Guilty Pleasures. That whole night is just such a fun night uh, at, at FIT. Um that's this Friday, so and you got a uh, TV party. Yeah. As a matter of fact, there is a TV party, but I will not be there. Oh. I won't be at Guilty Pleasures either. I'm going to be uh, away. So these guys are going to co-host Guilty Pleasures with Rob, TV uh, a TV party with Rob, uh, instead of me. So they are they are going to co-host Big TV party. Hard secret pants night at the fair. Yeah, yeah. Hard it's on the serious. secret pants. Yeah. Right. Everybody, the press tour is in full effect. The, the press tour is in full tilt. It's a secret pants month. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's we're really start big, we're close start, big. Yeah, starting. It's like Anchorman too. <laughs> <laughs> You'll we're be gonna... really excited for it. Then guess what? No, I meant because we're just everywhere and we're not welcome. Oh, like, that's yeah. what I meant. Uh, stars good. about Anchorman two are just everywhere. It's uh, even better. So yeah, I, uh, TV party is uh, uh, spo- uh, two 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 shows about roommate ghosts, which I'm really excited about, and I can't be there for. It, so <laughs> okay, uh, just a couple other quick things. Uh, you brought up Ron Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that you guys have connections with Mark Summers. Uh, I just saw Larry Menti at uh, Iron Sketch. Mm-hmm. Um, but first of all, the Larry Menti thing, can you, can you explain that connection to Secret Pants? We met him in, uh, I think it's 2006 or yeah, 7. Yeah, 2006. 2006 at the Westchester Film Festival. He was uh, showing his documentary about Alex's Lemonade Stand. Uh, mm-hmm. which won two awards at the festival. And uh, we were doing... We had actually gone to a, a class, and I think... We uh, had it. We, 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 were, we, we were, were helming a seminar. We were helming a seminar for uh, people to come down and, and, like, get in... Like, we were all... We were video sketch comedy troops, so it was like, how do you make a video? What goes into the production of a video on, on the internet? Um, and we split our group of ten at that time into two groups of five. One group uh, would work with a sketch that was pre-written and just filmed. So anybody that just wanted to like be a P, like a production assistant, or know what it was like to to, to do just like a, a thing and, and be a part of just making that happen, they could do that. And then there was the other group which was writing all the way to production. So people who wanted to write, and then also, oh, now I wrote this, I have to make it. Uh, they could also get a hand on that. And we actually met Matt Weir there. Uh, which was really cool, uh, and Todd, uh, Todd Schaefer, Todd Schaefer we met both, him there. Both Matt them. Weirs, yeah. No, just, just one, one Matt. No, uh, Matt, the other one was Warren. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he uses the app on his But Larry Nancy, But long story short, uh, we, we we met up. We 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 we. There was an award ceremony. There was an award ceremony, and we came up and we won. Uh, we we won an award of some sort, or something happened. We they got, gave us a thing. They for gave doing us a thing, thing. For, for. They gave us a thing for like. For They're showing up, perfect attendance, and 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 we said uh, we couldn't do this. I think Bryce said uh, uh, we wouldn't be able to. This wouldn't have been possible at all uh, without Larry Menti. TV's, uh, Larry, TV's, Menti. TV's Larry Menti, and, and Bryce kept calling him TV's Larry Menti. <laughs> and then Larry Menti got up to accept his first award. He was in the back of the room, like looking down, and, and, and we just like, "Hey, TV's Larry," and he was like, "Huh?" Yeah, <laughs> and he said, "These idiots." He said he couldn't have done it without secret pants, which was great. <laughs> uh, Cured cancer, he's talking yeah. about. Which led to a long-standing relationship that I think, like, 
You know, Paul uh, had had developed a, a. Larry Minty got in a bit of, a bit of trouble. Uh, he got into a bit of trouble, and Paul really came to his a, a champion. His he needed champion. it the most. When, when Larry Minty needed secret pants the most, they were there for him. We were there to print T-shirts in his honor. There yeah. was one. There was one set of footprints in the sand that day. <laughs> And that was uh, when we were carrying Larry Menti. The shirt said, Larry Menti's not a criminal. The shirt said, Larry Menti's not a criminal. I wore that shirt out a lot, uh, like to the supermarket. And people would look at me a little weird, but I I vowed that if anybody ever questioned me, I would be able to handle myself because I I, I actually did believe that we were going to get through that. uh, Scott Free. One time, time, uh, CBS3, which was the station that Larry Menti had the issues with, uh, showed up at Paul's house to interview him slash us. us. And uh, I was wearing that shirt by accident. <laughs> by just total accident. Incidentally. And they made Bryce change his and shirt I go upstairs and one of Paul's shirts on. I couldn't wear it on TV. Yeah, but ultimately, Larry Menti uh, like, did stand-up comedy and he he's came a down, sharp came guy. Down to, we, we, he, well, yeah. At one point, we had this plan to do ske- a sketch with Larry. He was totally into it. We couldn't find something that he... You know, dug enough, so we're just like, you know, one day we'll do this when we get a Put chance. Put this email in our back pocket. Never really happened, and then um, Brian and Bryce were working on IM sketch, and they were like, you know, let's let's get it, get a hold of Larry Menti and see if he's into this. And ultimately, he was, and he came, and I think he had a great time. At least that's what he said on Twitter. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can't accurate. remember how we decide how we ended up, re, you know, getting a hold of him through email. But um, but yeah, so but that's yeah. it was it, we, one day maybe we'll work with Larry Menti uh, on tape, but probably not. I think we'll just. Uh, Keep throwing his name around on podcasts. It's, it's fun to know that people <laughs> remember him. Mentioned. It's fun to know that people remember TV's Larry Man. He got a very nice reaction. I, I enjoyed every moment of him being there. I did. Uh, I think it. Uh, yeah, he's and yeah, and, and you saying TV's Larry Mancy again. It was it was more an excuse to, to to just get Larry there to have Bryce say that again, over uh, and over. And what's the the Mark Summers connection? He, he, he lives in the area, right? He lives in the area. He's yeah, a really so nice guy. He yeah. he lives. Uh, he splits Friday, time between apparently. between Los Angeles and Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and um, uh, I was able to get a hold of his contact information. And I can't remember how, but I got his email. It ended up being an old email, but one that was was forwarding to his current email address, and. Um, we had already written a sketch with Mark Summers in it. We'd written the, the sketch called Moon Bounce TV Show. That was all about a TV show based on a moon bounce uh, that they had to cancel because they couldn't get uh, the, music, uh, the the rights to use the song Jump Around by House of Pain. So they had to cancel it. And then we thought it would be really funny just to have Mark Summers there. who you know, His only job was to be thrown off set after the show was canceled. So we wrote the sketch. We thought it was good. Sent it to Mark Summers uh, with no expectation that he would ever write back. And he did. And he wrote back and was like, yeah, all right, let's do it. Like, you know, can you keep it to three hours? Right. And we're like, yeah, sure, let's do it. And uh, so we got to shoot Moon, uh, Moonbout's TV show with Mark Summers. And uh, and he's, I, uh, you know, I don't know if that he was already planning on getting more involved around Philly when we emailed him or if that was, you know, happened after the fact. But he has been, I think, more visible as of late yeah. than he has been mm-hmm. in the last couple of years. I think I saw he done the... What's that? He may be a theme show this week. Whoa. I don't know if... That, is that a secret? Is it? Shannon was saying something. Shannon was very adamant about... It seemed like she was getting him. And I heard, apparently, that that might happen. Yeah, I heard that, too. Which, it's which a possibility. Could, which uh, could happen. Wow. He's it? super cool. Yeah, he was he really is. super cool. It's, uh... I remember, you know, this is a dude... He sold Deo. He did, he did, he did. Uh... 
he was one of the coolest people in the world when you were a kid. Like that oh. was and like I I was saying this that day, like I'd rather meet Mark Summers than Will Smith or like some huge crazy movies are like when I was a kid, like he was the dude. This is the dude that hosts Double Dare. Like we were just standing there like shooting the breeze with them and he was super nice and that that was awesome. I thought that was really, really cool. Brian picked him up in his car. <laughs> like, uh, surreal, yeah. surreal thing. It was funny too because he was sort of like, so "Who am I? So, so what's this, what, who am I working with?" And I'm like, uh, "Actually, me." Yeah. Uh, I thought it might be a good idea that we would like hang out, or I would pick you up, and we, you know, you just get comfortable with the idea that I'm going to be working with you. Uh, but it was weird. Uh, it was weird for me, I guess, or I don't know. He he's a pro. Pro. You made it weird. He's a pro. <laughs> I made it weird. He was great. Uh, uh, <laughs> that's the honest to goodness truth. Uh, no, he he was. I was starstruck. I, I grew up with Mark Summers. Yeah. I had. Yeah. Uh, I I he was a star. Like he was big big time, and he still is to me in a, in a way. I mean, uh, um, I I I'm wrapped, man. Yeah. Not even that. Right. I mean, like right. I, I, he does a lot of stuff, and I just I I. I just think a lot of of him and and his chutzpah and his like ability to produce things. Like there's tons of stuff that he does that we don't even know about and and that's what that's what's great uh and the things that i do know about were reached me as a child uh, i had a moment when i was growing up in second grade my mom was listening to the radio and harvey who was the announcer for double there had uh he was he was on the radio in philadelphia so uh then they shot double there in philadelphia as well i believe at that time and my mom goes oh i know that guy when i was watching double there in, in accordance to Harvey and I'm like you know Harvey next day I go into school I'm like my mom knows Harvey and, and uh, you know so I guess we should figure out who's going to be on double dare with me uh, and then uh, I got home that day and I'm like mom I have this big conundrum there's all my friends now are my best friends and they all want to be on double dare and she's like I'm like who should I pick you know Harvey and she goes no I know of Harvey I know of him from this radio station that when we're in the car and that's where I learned uh, little thing like you know details yeah. and I'm like I have to go back to school tomorrow and it's gonna be horrible and it was, and it, was it was for until the weekend hit and then the weekend hit and everything was back yeah. back to normal it's second grade yeah it all resets over the weekend it all resets <laughs> um, I think that's all I've got just to hit some of the the dates again uh, May 29th, well, uh, coming up first is the um, Guilty Pleasures mm-hmm. on Friday, which is May 3rd? 2nd. May 2nd. May 2nd, Guilty Pleasures. Then you guys are hosting uh, TV Party. Mm-hmm. Uh, May 29th and 30th is the Best of Worst of, or Worst of Best of. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got this podcast. Is there anything else uh, to celebrate the, the 10 year? Are you guys doing anything... We, we we inadvertently all do our own things that fit in a way. Sort of. There's a lot of side projects going. Yeah, on. Yeah, this is the breakup of the band. This is the band's breakup. Well, you, uh, Bryce, you referee. I do. Slash host. Iron I sketch. I do. Uh, Brian, I do. you're instructing. Uh, you're sketch producer. Um, is there anything else? Uh, Paul hosts TV party normally. Self medicator. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I don't. Uh, Paul, you're an instructor. You host uh, TV party. Uh, you direct Flat Earth. Correct. Um, anything else? Ellie uh, Nightmares. Oh Alley yeah, Nightmares. well, Ellie Nightmares, but Ellie mm-hmm. Nightmares is uh, kind of over for now, unless we decide to. We just lost um, Caitlin Thompson to Los Angeles. Andrew as well. We'll be losing uh, losing Andrew uh, shortly, and um, so we just have to figure out, you know, what what the next step is for Ellie Nightmares if there is a next step, but. 
Uh, who knows? Uh, not that I necessarily have control over it, but you should do another show. <laughs> <laughs> Around Halloween, uh, and a season run sort of thing, um... What was it? Did it have four or five shows last time around? We had four shows during the French Festival. Four mostly, if not completely, sold out shows mm-hmm. each night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two were two were oversold. And this was in the summer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, September. 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 Yeah. It's still summer. Uh, <laughs> it's not really. It's, it's the tail end of summer. It's like fourth meal for summer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you have the card, if you have your card season parts. calendar, it's still summer. Um... Samantha, you are directing... It's Q3. Oh, yeah. It's a Q3. rodeo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, is there anything else uh, happening sketch-wise? So. I don't think so, no. No? Not right now? <laughs> Not right now. Uh, what do you think? Supper Club? Uh, Ryan. I'm good friends with a guy named uh, Bob Gutierrez. Yeah. Fastball Bob. You should get him on. Uh, we, we, we brought that up. Uh, a long while back. Contact him yeah. I hear he's doing yeah. a spaghetti yeah, dinner. He will be there. doing a. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's hosting yeah. a church Near spaghetti Jim dinner. No. Oh. <laughs> Not <laughs> I'll go to that. No, he'll be hosting a, uh, a church spaghetti dinner on May 17th. Okay. From 3, 30, or 3 o'clock until uh, 6.30 in Huntsville. That's spaghetti hour. It is spaghetti 3.30. Hour. <laughs> 3 o'clock to 6.30. It's a good time. Uh, it's about an hour before the Spin Doctor show. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's at uh, Christ Lutheran Church in Culpsville, Pennsylvania, right off the Lansdale Turnpike. He only does burbs. He only does the burbs now. <laughs> Bob, he, Bob is not coming to the city much I anymore. I think he does, only does spaghetti dinners. He only does spaghetti or dinners, pancake, pancake breakfast, breakfast and um, uh, best man speeches. <laughs> he, does. he doesn't do it for the money. He's he he's also it. available for children's birthdays. <laughs> he does it for the meal, meal the meal, yeah. the beer. Yeah. Uh, any be. other kind of final thoughts? Anything that we didn't talk about that you want to mention real fast? Uh, or additions? Yeah, I think that, um, uh, well, you know, oh, no, I can't. Never mind. I, I had this I had this thing about my, a story. So <laughs> I was driving Mark Summers back to where Mark Summers lives in Brian Kelly's car. Mark Summers was telling me about his history as a stand-up comedian that led him to ha- getting the job that he got on Double Dare. And um, he said something that I totally remembered as being like super poignant to this conversation, and I've now forgotten what it was. Oh. But oh, how many times he auditioned for it? Did it have to do with that? Because I feel like they like, you know, here's what it was. Okay, so, so uh, yeah, I was uh, I was driving Mark Summers back to where Mark Summers lives in Brian Kelly's car, and uh, Mark Summers was talking to me about his history as a stand-up comedian and um, getting. Uh, you know the 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 opportunity to host Double Dare and taking the job, and he said he I think he said he was thirty two or thirty three, and um, he had gotten other opportunities before that and lost them, and um, he got this job hosting Double Dare, and it came at just the right time, not because uh, it was uh, the perfect time, uh, it was the perfect job, but because all of those. Opportunities that he missed taught him how to be ready for the opportunity that he got when he got it. And that if anything had, by fluke chance, gotten uh, to him before that, he wouldn't have been ready and it would have been a failure. And so I guess the thing I would say to anybody who's doing, uh, starting to do sketch or any kind of comedy now is um, keep doing it and keep failing at it because your failures are teaching you the things you need to know that will eventually get you to where you want to be, or won't, but it'll teach you great things that you're going to be able to take in through the rest of your life. Um, 
And I think that's what I wanted to bring up. And then he threw a pie at Paul. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Well, I think that's a, a, a good point as any to, uh, to wrap it up. I want to thank you all for uh, giving, me the, giving me the time tonight to sit down and chat and learn something, uh, learn a thing or two about sketch in general, but also Philly comedy uh, before I actually move back. Uh, and I think this, uh, I think that last statement and this podcast overall is going to be helpful to uh, a, a budding, continually budding uh, sketch scene. So thanks, guys. Yeah. Thank you.